League of Josh podcast is fortunate enough to be powered by Andrew's Book Company's used books. ABC Books is located underneath the Superstore at 910 Columbia Street West, Kamloops, British Columbia. Filled with an amazing range of quality books, it is also filled with an amazing range of quality people. It's the only place I'll go to buy and sell my books. And also I'll get amazing recommendations from the employees that work there. Go check out ABC Books. Our second sponsor is Bubble Tea Gardens. Located next door to ABC Books underneath the Superstore at 910 Columbia Street West, Kamloops, British Columbia. Bubble Tea Garden is close to the university, insanely cheap for students, and easily the best authentic Chinese food in town. Above all, it is filled with amazing people. Owner Teresa is an amazing, generous woman who glows with kindness and will waste no time in telling you to sit down. Go check out Bubble Tea Garden. My guest today is Pat Henley. Pat's been the head coach for the men's volleyball team at TRU for the past decade and a bit. He's been around for my four years, but taking my second year off for a hiatus. Pat's personality has definitely evened out since he had kids, but he's still pretty easy to butt heads with, so we do that often. But we always make up for it with a bowl of some sort of Asian cuisine that would make my roommate Charlie throw up in his head spin. Throughout my time here, Pat's been one of the most influential people in my life, being a father figure, an amazing coach, and most importantly, a friend. Towards the middle of the podcast, Pat and I talk a lot about youth sports scheduling. This may be a little bit dry for some, but on either side of that is a lot of solid life conversation. I hope you enjoy. Thank you very much. All right, Henley, why don't you complain about shit? What do you mean complain about stuff? I don't know. You just never complain about stuff. I just think you, the rule in life, never complain, never explain. bothers a lot of people, but uh, I just think it's pointless i do complain about things i just try not to do it uh try not to do it too much yeah i guess you complained about it being cold the other day and you just crushed like 30 push-ups yeah it was cold in the gym so yeah no i i do complain but i i like that line of like never complain never explain anything a lot of people spend too much time explaining what's going on and explaining why they do things and it's like it's a waste of time complaining too is if you're gonna do eat well, okay, I said it was cold and I did something about it. So yeah. it's not really, I don't think it's a complaint if you're going to do something about it, but people spend a lot of time pointlessly complaining about things. Yeah. And that's draining on everyone. It's draining on yourself. It's draining on people around you, but yeah. Yeah. yeah I feel like if you, yeah, I feel like people can complain about something once and then after, after you complain about something once, you got to do something about yeah, it. Well, if, just, if not. You're bitching about it. Yeah. Then. Just like, shut your mouth. Yeah. I mean, for sure. And for the most part, everything that we complain about, we can control. Yeah. Or do something about it. Yeah. You take yourself out of the situation. I was complaining about this coming in today. In my yeah? Mind. Yeah, I was like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> I almost and called. Carla wasn't here, I would have called it off. I would have <laughs> pulled the same excuse. I would be like, hey, you can't make it, Josh. One of the kids is sick. Yeah. Heidi's making me stay home. It's the best part about having kids, you use them as an excuse all the time. I'm like, oh, the kids are sick. Well, I can't. <laughs> Sorry. Who could argue with that? When did you, uh, you start the don't complain, don't explain? I wrote that down and I can't even remember where I started the first time I ever heard that. Probably in high school someone said that to me and I thought it made sense. And as a coach, like, I've, I explain things way more now than I used to. I used to barely explain anything. I, I, I used to basically kind of call it the law of the jungle. Like, people would come in and figure it out and the older guys would sort of... <clears throat> guys would learn the lay of the land by figuring things out and I thought that was that's a, a sort of a more organic way for people to do things. But then course if the people that are telling the younger guys what to do aren't exactly the right culture then that doesn't work either so 
I actually explain things a lot more now than I used to. I used to have a very limited rule. Yeah. And Ken Olenek had a great line. He's like, the more rules you have, the more problems you have to deal with. Trying to keep rules simple. So one of the first, it was a UBC. It was like, don't miss the bus. Don't wake the coach. Don't miss the bus. So there's like three rules on the team. And then there's not a lot of time spent people breaking rules, chasing people around for rules. But yeah. Yeah, makes sense. I think if you keep things simple, then it should be simple, but that's not the case. The whole uh, fuck, micromanage thing. Well, and even this player's handbook is now, it's still on my take, desk. I still have to finish that. I think it was, that doing the player's handbook this year was worthwhile exercise for sure. Yeah. And I, I want to have it explained. So now someone can pick the book up and be like, okay, these are sort of the team rules. Because I, I, I used to give a lot of credit or think that, of course, you know, you hey, you've gotten yourself to a level of excellence in volleyball. Uh, obviously, you passed high school to get to this point. You should have a certain level of common sense, and now I just don't want to take that for granted. Yeah. Or just assume, like, I'm assu- I am assumed a lot of things before that were wrong. Yeah. So now I'm just trying to take, like, assumptions out and be like, okay, if I explain it. And another great line was, like, explain everything to someone like, you know, they're, they're a 10-year-old or a 9-year-old. Yeah. Then... If you explain it like that, then there should be no reason why something gets broken. Then, then if then if a rule gets broken or something happens, then that person obviously is doing it on purpose or doing it with fully aware of what's going on. So, right. And Where I think, it? well, I just think the way people are raised nowadays, there's far less figuring it out yourself. It's far more guided, far more of a guided lifestyle. Yeah, helicopter parents being micromanaged. You gonna you gonna helicopter there, Mika? There's a new one now. It's lawnmower parents. Lawnmower parents. Yeah, they mow every obstacle out of the way of their kids, so there's nothing possibly can stop their kids, impede their kids' success. Oh, I, I don't want to, but you're at a point in society now that if I, if I let Mika, let's say he's eight years old and I let him walk home alone, someone could report me to social services. Mika was home alone for 25 minutes when I ran to the store and back. Technically, I'm committing a crime now. Whereas really? I grew up in the Kootenays and uh, I don't I don't know when we were left alone, but it certainly wasn't like twelve. Yeah. So every every province now has an age where you're allowed to leave your kids alone. Yeah. Or unsupervised, and there's there's stories all the time of people seeing kids walking to school with you know their brother and sister and and getting reported to social services because some parent thinks it's, it's unsafe for a kid to walk three blocks of school and. Not just Kamloops, but any city. But yeah. so, and, and the other part that's hard as a parent is what the what if, right? Like, okay, what if I let my kids go to the park for an hour and something happens? Yeah. And I just think it's harder to be a kid nowadays. It's hard to be a parent nowadays. It's harder to be a university student. I, I feel bad for university students. It's just a constant panic show about grades and where they're going to go and what they're going to do. And I started university in the 90s and there wasn't a lot of that talk going around. It was... First two years, do whatever you want and buckle down in third and fourth because that's all that counts if you're going to apply to any kind of graduate work. But there was a sense going to school in the 90s that it was good enough to get a degree. It was like, man, we made it. We're at university. Yeah. Things will take care of themselves. Now it's like, yeah, you're in a science degree or you're in an arts degree. What are you going to do with that degree? And it just seems to be a, an overriding panic and then a sense that an undergrad's not enough now. You have to do a master's or a professional designation after that. Yeah. So you see the crush now to get into, you know, um, nursing now is getting close to 90%. That that wasn't the case. Respiratory therapy, I just, 
was having drinks over at holidays with the guy that used to run the respiratory therapy program. He said 20 years ago, they were begging people to get into the TRU respiratory therapy, which is, you know, not even arguably, it's the number one respiratory therapy program in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a job the minute you leave, and it's always been that case. The minute you graduate, you get a job almost yeah. wherever you want. So anyways, they're saying 20 years ago, they're begging people to get in. They're telling people that don't worry if your prerequisites aren't high enough. And now they won't take a single high school student, no matter what your grades are like. They want more of a mature student. They can, in essence, pick and choose from the top. And the kids now that are going to respiratory therapy 20 years ago would have been going to med school. It, it's such a different dynamic. Yeah. I, you know, part of it is kids are paying more attention. And part of it, I think, because of parents complaining and kids complaining and people suing school districts and teachers, like the grades for sure are inflated now. I just don't believe high schools are pumping out the, they shouldn't be pumping out the percentage of A's they are. I just think teachers have sort of given into this idea, like they're scared to give a kid a B because, you know, the parents are going to come down and say, it's your fault. You're ruining my kid's chance of being whatever. I, I think there's a huge grade inflation. I used to think it was mostly from private schools. Mm-hmm. We would get kids coming from private schools and, and not in particular Christian private schools, but we had more kids coming from Christian private schools. And you can basically take 10% to 20% off their grade point average. They're coming in with an 80. They're probably going to end up that first year at university with a 60. And everyone sort of gets knocked down when they come out of high school. But I just felt like that was the first thing where I said, like, there's really some great padding going on here. But I think it's endemic now. Like, I think it's it's everywhere. Yeah. Well, I remember my coming from Alberta, there's a huge grade point boost. Like coming to a British Columbia University from Alberta. Yeah. And then I almost failed out. Yeah, they say, you, yeah, you get an extra 5% or is it 10%? It's something crazy like 8 But But going back to like, am I going to be a helicopter parent? Like, I hope not. But the it, it's hard. It's hard in this sort of society where everyone has a video camera. And like, I can just, I can think of about 30 instances of myself growing up. The things me and my brother did that my parents nowadays would be. You know, if, it, if you ever took a video of some of the stuff me and my brother did, it would go viral and be like, who are these parents that let their kids, I don't know, we used to take gas and start fires. We used to drive the car. My brother was 12 driving the car to the store to, so me and him could buy candy. And I'm pretty sure we were wearing seatbelts. <laughs> so, you know, nowadays, if, imagine a 12-year-old kid getting caught going to the store with his 10-year-old brother. Yeah. You know, like, it's just, I'm sure we're in the country, but I... It's just, and that would be totally on the parents too. I mean, if that if that did no, hit the news, it would be a hundred percent on the parents. So yeah. you think nowadays, not only would you nowadays you I think be in legal trouble, but also the just the public shaming of it. But yeah, I mean it's it's in everything. It's in relationships. It's in uh, body image. It's in what you do for your career. You know, like the the heightened pressure is everywhere. Yeah. So I think I see this a lot of my friends or your parents. They're basically having fucking panic attacks. 24-7. Am I feeding my kid the right thing? Am I, am I doing the right thing? Am I, or what's, you know... We, we had one of Heidi's friends come up and she was... Must have asked us 20 times if we thought it was okay that Tosca's in kindergarten and couldn't read yet. And then Heidi... Oh, yeah, you were telling me that. And Heidi starts getting all worried about it. I'm like, hey, settle the fuck down. Like, she's five. She's not interested in reading. Who cares? And I said to, her, to the friend, I'm like, show me literature... Because her son was three and could legitimately read. I actually tested him. Pulled a bunch of books out and I just t- tested the guy. And he could legitimately read. But I'm like, show me the literature that says 
reading at kindergarten has this effect at a certain age. She's like, well, I don't think it's there. I, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll show you the literature that learning a second language, I'll show you the literature that you should stay within, like, this is the, the you know, developmental stage your child's at. You shouldn't be pushing stuff on them. Yeah. But one person teaches their kid to read and everyone freaks out that they're not doing enough. I'm like, everyone just needs to settle the fuck down and relax. Like, it's just, it's crazy. And I, I think it's almost the worst, the worst group is, and the most susceptible is young parents. Like, it's just a panic show. Yeah. And, uh, well, I, the daycare our kids are at is great because it's a play-based daycare. The daycare our friend sent to was basically kindergarten. You know, their kid would sit there at a, a three-year-old and do schoolwork. Yeah, I see Mika running around to you all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, and Don't that's what he should be dogs. doing. He's, yeah, totally. he's four. Yeah. What, why would he, what would you want to try to put a pencil in that kid's hand? He doesn't want any part of that. Yeah. You know, and I actually feel bad because we were more, a little more on it with Tosca when we had one kid in, in terms of the twin. Kai is quite interested in reading. Yeah. We should be pushing it a little more because she's actually trying to spell things out and she's in that stage where she's pretending to read. She's memorized a story. She's trying to read to people. So she's quite interested in learning how to read. Mm-hmm. But I still believe, okay, she's four. She's going to pick it up. It's going to be fine. Yeah. So going back to Tosca, so as a kindergarten, she's not reading halfway through kindergarten. It was probably November, and now she's in grade two, and she's reading at a grade four level in French and English, and she loves it. Yeah. And we don't have to tell her to read. She wants to read. She, you know, even when dad's at home by himself, Heidi went on a trip, and I wasn't even paying attention. Sort of bad dad, but she did it herself. She's like, Dad, I got to read before I go to bed. Great. And that's what you want. You yeah. want your kid wanting to do it, not you trying to force your kid to do it. Yeah, the intrinsic then, motivation. Yeah, and that. then there's a resentment built up. Yeah. And who hasn't been in the situation with a parent where you resent them over something? Yeah. It's inevitable. And, you know, that leads to the other thing with parenting now is trying to be liked by the kid all the time. Yeah. It's fucking impossible to be liked by a teenager at all times. You can't be your kid's friend. I mean, you can't be your nobody kid's can best be, friend. Yeah. Nobody can be a teenager's friend all the time. Like, <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah. Teenage, teenagers are miserable. We were all miserable as teenagers and hated our parents at some point and hated our teacher and hated our best friend and had our hearts broken and whatever. Like, the hormones are raging. It's, it's just virtually impossible to be on your teenager's side. I would feel probably awkward if my kids loved me all the way through. I'd be like, I probably didn't do something right then. And <laughs> same as coaching, right? My yeah. line is like, I'm not your friend, I'm not your enemy. And I, I if I, if, there, if a guy goes through five years and never once was pissed off, maybe we didn't push him hard enough. Maybe the program didn't push him out of his comfort zone enough. And it's not even pushing, but it's like, yeah, maybe he got to stay in his comfort zone too long. And, and there's been guys, I think, going through, like we were just talking about Brad Gunter, maybe he stayed in his comfort zone. Yeah. And that's potentially affecting his national team you know, ability to be on the national team. But, you know, I just don't, you know, for sure Brad wouldn't say we were friends all the time, but I just think there's that dynamic where everyone is scared to offend people. Everyone is scared to, to step out and be the authority or, or whatever you want to call it. And then you couple that with the fact that everyone thinks that everyone's judging them about their parenting and it's just a gong show out there. Yeah. You know, it's, I, it's a recipe for disaster. And I just think, Everyone is too stressed out about everything right now. So maybe the legalized marijuana is going to help Canada Let's cut the so. edge. Yeah, Cut the edge off. Bring what do you think, Melanie, about legalization? Uh, nothing's wrong with it. I, I believe all drugs should be legalized. I think the like addiction rates 
plummet. First thing, something gets legalized. I think if we legalize everything, everyone has a government stream to the absolute best thing. If you can get the best cocaine with no fentanyl, like people are going to get cocaine. People are gonna well, get I agree with that. People are going to get meth. So I why agree. not get the government meth yeah. that's the best that it can be so that you're not fucking around? Well, and the government's already the biggest drug dealer in the world. Yeah. All governments are. Like Oxycontin, you know, you start reading the reports now when they first came out saying it wasn't addictive. And the FDA is like, okay, the company <laughs> said it's not addictive. Let's go. Yeah. Oxycontin, like, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that stuff's addictive. Yeah, well, it's I, an opioid. Yeah. Like, it's... After, uh, after my Achilles, I, I I have a shit ton of trimadol still because yeah. I, I, I tried to take as little as possible because I was cognizant of withdrawal. And then I ended up going through withdrawal anyways, but, geez, that was fucking crazy. good stuff. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that rocked my world. I, I agree with drugs being legalized, and when people ask me why, I'm like, because... The only thing that would stop me from getting any drug I want within forty eight hours is somebody thinking I'm a cop. Yeah. Other than the if they didn't if they fully believed I wasn't a cop, I think in forty eight hours I can get anything I want in Kellams and in five hours I can get anything I want in Vancouver. Yeah. Five. Anything. Less. I think less in Vancouver. You less, to, but I'd give myself five yeah, hours to for make sure. sure. You go to East Hastings and you're you're soaring. Yeah. Actually New West Skytrain Station is probably the better. Yeah. It's like right by Douglas College. Listen up, kids. It's it, you step off that SkyTrain station, you you'll get asked by probably ten drug dealers what you want. Really? At least that's how it used to be. I'm sure because the methadone clinics in New West. Yeah. So that's where the heroin addicts get their legal methadone. Yeah. So there's already a huge demand for drugs there, and drug addicted people having to go to that SkyTrain station to get their fix. So it was always known as like, and I'm sure it still is, as a place where. Yeah, you get whatever you want. No, well, I'm glad they legalized marijuana. I want to see what the what the numbers are. I'm waiting for psychedelics to get legalized. That's I think that's the next thing. I think that's the that's it, the next invest no, button. Be. I, I think I think clinical trials are going to come through. Yeah, cl- but, clinically for yeah. sure. I just don't think there there's going to be way big, a bigger push for that. Yeah, push back on that. I don't think it's going to be full legalization because I don't I don't think the government wants a bunch of kids running around on psilocybin mushrooms or LSD all the time, but yeah, like clinically, I think it's. Um, oh yeah, they're already doing clinical psilocybin for sure is an antidepressant. What is it? Um, I think it was. I want to say John Hopkins, but that's probably wrong. Um, but they did a study on psilocybin, and it had an eighty percent success rate of getting people to quit smoking. Yeah. Like, that's fucking. That's unheard of. That's absurd. Oh yeah. No, I I actually. Well, anyways, I grew up in the West Coonies. There's. There's weed, people growing weed in their gardens growing up. Yeah. And I, I you know, it's going to be no, now, now as a parent talking to kids about marijuana, which you would have had to do anyways, regardless if it was legalized. But it's still about choices. And typically, you know, if you look at people who are addicted mm-hmm. to drugs, they're, they're not usually happy people. Yeah. So I just don't believe, I just don't believe a normal happy person now that weed's legalized is going to go smoke marijuana and then all of a sudden be shooting heroin and be on the streets. Like, I just don't think that happens. I think you're... I don't think there's a path between, like, trying this so-called gateway drug and then falling <laughs> off the cliff. I think people that seek drugs are seeking an escape from reality. Yeah. And we all do that in some form or another through entertainment, through books, through, you know, our iPhones. We're seeking an escape from reality momentarily 
seek an escape from reality and people that usually addicted to drugs are just a little bit more motivated to escape reality or escape the pain or something in their life yeah no, and there's usually a trauma effect to it and it, so then it goes back to why not legalize it and let them have like like you said legal access to what it, what they feel like they need yeah and then the risk of fentanyl goes to I zero still, not even necessarily just fentanyl but oh yeah the idea of overdosing also educating people on how people overdose because you never overdose in your house i mean that becomes a condition response that the only time people overdose is when they go somewhere else and try a new drug because after a while of doing a drug in the same place all the time, you your brain know. starts to break it down. Your brain starts to break the drug down before, and that comes into play with tolerance and how if you, the higher your tolerance gets, I mean, you have a different tolerance for every place that you go. So if you shoot up heroin in your room every day, then your, your, your tolerance for heroin is going to get really, really strong in your room. But then if you go to a party and shoot up heroin, you shoot up the same amount, you're going to overdose because your brain's not breaking it down right away. And like, I think that that's, that's something that should be educated on more than, hey guys, just don't do drugs. Because kids are going to do drugs. People, human beings for forever, yeah. have been looking for an escape from reality. I mean, well, in I, all religious I, doctrine and all all yeah. art and stuff, like mushrooms. Yeah, pe- uh, people like getting fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's booze or drugs, and, yeah. and absolutely has been there for history. The burning bush, like the Bible, all that shit. That's, oh, yeah. It's all over the place. Yeah. Visions. Yeah, the vision quests. You ever have any, you ever have any, like, good, I mean, not necessarily good vision quests, but, like, life-altering experiences from psychedelic drugs? Have I? Yeah. No. That's fair. No. And I'm 48 now. I actually would be open to trying different things now. Like, I, I, you know, you grow up and... you're in doctor, like you're an athlete, you're like, Oh, you don't do this, you don't do that. And, and the cooties yeah. is a very clear line where I grew up. It's like there were skids and jocks, and I certainly tried marijuana as a kid, yeah. And I just decided on my own and be like, I don't want to be a skid, I'm gonna go to the light, I'm going to the jock side. <laughs> and on the jock side, you, they didn't do, but I grew up with 70 hippies that left draft dodging hippies. Yeah. They, they left the U.S. and moved to my area in the Kootenays, set up shop, and there was like quite a heavy population, ranging from living in the woods, it was shack with no running water, to have enough money to start a house. But almost every one of those parents would openly smoke marijuana. Like I'd go to my friend's house, and their mom would be smoking marijuana at the kitchen table. Yeah, she'd be having a cup of coffee and a joint. So I mean, it was I grew up with it everywhere. So for me, it wasn't crazy. Yeah, it wasn't something where I was like, whoa, that's on the far side of... But I, I decided to stop because I just felt like that's not who I wanted to be. In it. And I, I just think now that marijuana is legalized, I think there's going to be more kids that it's not taboo, it's not crazy. They're like, hmm, I don't really like this. Yeah. You know, and obviously I, I don't know why they picked 19 or if 19 is the right age. There's, there's definitely arguments about... The effects of marijuana on a developing brain versus a, a full-grown adult, much like there's alcohol, if you take it at different points of your development, it affects you differently. But yeah, yeah, I'm like 25 is the age that you're like marijuana stunts the growth of your prefrontal cortex, which is basically your decision making. So yeah. that's why that's why guys make shitty decisions for longer than girls because girls are finished developing their prefrontal cortex at 23. Is that why guys is at 25? Yeah, that's why. Uh, I mean, I'm going to attribute it to that. 
It's girls, only a two year gap. Bit more developed. I would have thought it would have been like girls finished at 16, <laughs> guys finished at 25. Yeah, we're just dumbasses for forever. Yeah, no, like pretty I, much. I, I think 25 is a good age, but it just seems unrealistic to to space out alcohol legalization at 19, 18, and then throw marijuana in at 25. That that seems well, yeah, it's not realistic. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that legalizing marijuana is going to stop a guy. You know, the guy that was selling it, I think he still has a market. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the yeah. government's not selling it for an absurdly cheap amount. In, in the U.S., they are in, in certain dispensaries. Is can, this, like, is this price here, like, way more than it would cost on the street? Yeah. Like, how much more? Jeez. Um, like, like, a small joint is, like, eight bucks. In the government store? Yeah. What would that be on street value, like? Maybe, maybe like three or four bucks because you don't you don't buy like four yeah, yeah, joints yeah. on the street. But um, the the old SunMed that was by TCC, yeah, that place was selling home derby baseball joints, just huge blunts for six bucks, and now the government's selling little joints for eight bucks. You and can buy them pre rolled already by the government. Yeah, like are they filtered? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. That place started business, all right. Sun, whatever. Didn't they close them all down? Yeah, they none of them had compliancy. I guess there was some old guy. I don't know how people didn't think that was gonna fucking happen. I knew the minute they legalize it, all those places are getting shut down. Because I guess none of them got compliance. I guess Kamloops is the only place, at, at least at the start, with the legal distribution center. Because yeah, yeah. We put all the paperwork in. Kelowna still has not. Yeah. Kelowna is a year away from opening a legal store. I guess there was just some old guy that just crushed at every town meeting. They're like, hey, we got to do this and this and this. It's just like, okay, yeah. I got it. Don't worry about it. No, I just I just feel like all these dispensaries, I knew they were getting shut down. Yeah. Why would the government let them? I, I just asked about the price because people, I, I was at some party and people were saying, well, well, people are still going to buy it from the street because it's cheaper. I'm like, I, just th- I think most people, like, I could buy liquor potentially from a guy's garage that's cheaper, but I'm yeah. just not going to bother. Like it's a hassle for... I think a normal regular human be- adult yeah. to like go down to the North Shore and try to buy marijuana. At it becomes a convenience off. thing, and maybe yeah, maybe for- I have a, I have a job. Yeah. Talk about the fentanyl <laughs> stuff. Like if you have a job or whatever. I'm that's where I'm going to get it. I, yeah. I just it's not gonna. I think that guy's in trouble selling to normal people. It's as in adults with jobs. Yeah. His market now will be still teenagers and people that don't have regular incomes yeah and maybe i think i think that lasts for like a year and i I have lots of friends my age who smoke marijuana from university right till now yeah i guarantee they're all going to be buying from the liquor the government stores when it's yeah accessible it's just so convenient you go in and it's safer yeah fentanyl thing is the which i just don't get i don't get the idea that i i guess drug dealers aren't doing it on purpose they're trying to increase the the power of their product but yeah I don't know if if I had a guy I was buying stuff from and one day it almost killed me. I don't think I'd be very happy with that guy. It's like I just don't see that as a business model. Yeah. It's like maybe he wouldn't know it was tainted, but still, it's, it's like a half it's a grain a poor, of salt. You're getting really high, and then a full grain of salt, and you're, you're face dead. down in a ditch somewhere. Yeah, and I just think that's a poor business model. If your business is providing recreational drugs, and you're starting to kill people, yeah, it's a poor model for business. You want to you want to suck them in, get them addicted. And Maybe this is life. a conspiracy. Maybe the government was spreading the fentanyl around <laughs> before they legalized, just to make sure people. 
I can see it. It's middle-aged people are like, whoa, hey, I'll pay whatever it costs. Yeah. I don't want any part of that. Like, Let's legalize this shit. Yeah, even even. But fentanyl was never that big in marijuana, was it? It was more, still more in cocaine and. Yeah, I think so. I I, I don't know, but I I have no clue, but I I think so. I don't. I never really heard of anyone dying from a fentanyl overdose from marijuana. It was always more chemical stuff. Yeah. yeah. Nice. That happens at COG every year. Just yeah, you hear about three or four deaths that. Oh, fentanyl overdose. So what's the program here, Melanie? You got a program? You got a list of stuff or No, no, we're just gonna shoot the shit for an hour, maybe two. Who who's been on this? Um Harry Coles from the men's soccer team. Kind it's of men's soccer. English guy? Yeah, the he yeah. messed up his knee. Um uh Caleb Blair from the cheer team. She's super big into the uh whole mental health thing, so we talked okay. about that a bunch. Venables was on it, but um we lost like half the episode and it happened to be the half that I Liked. We talked a lot about a Netflix show called Big Mouth. Yeah, it's a show about puberty. Hilarious. It's like super. Check it out. Super duper good. It uh, it, it's pretty real in how it portrays everything. Yeah. And um, so I told I told Cam he should come on. Cam Seeks. Yeah. I'd love to have Seeks on. He he doesn't want to do it. Of no. Course. Of course he doesn't. Seeks doesn't want to do, do anything. No. Seeks wants to. Uh, hey, if he knows he can he can have some pops. I was going to say. Might have a chance. I, I'll get a six pack for him and he'll he'll be. It would actually be here. great. Like even just talking to John, like it would be great if John's English was better. Yeah, I, I was thinking Sammy and I were talking about that. Just getting him on and just like slowly talking about stuff. Working, I would wait like through in stuff. three weeks. His English will be way better. Yeah. Even yeah. how long is he here for? Six weeks. So. Uh yeah, February twenty fourth. Yeah. Then I'm I'm gonna try to learn Korean from that way when I go over I'll. Have a good base. I'm not exactly sure what he does during the day, actually. John? Um, I think he's hanging out with some Korean. Like, he went to church. Yeah. So we need to focus on... I think we need a program of, like, guys taking him over for lunch. and. I would do that for sure. Um, forcing him to keep speaking English. Yeah. That's the it's, thing. It's Just the complete immersion. Yeah. 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 It's gotten way better, too, which is oh, crazy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, now he's at the girls' practice. That'll help. Yeah. Yeah, and then you can come out and help him mine, too. That'll be good. And uh, coach some fifteen-year-old boys. Oh yeah, yeah, that'll help. He's yeah. gonna be disgusted at that. <laughs> he's disgusted at half the he's, stuff in our practice. He's disgusted at our team. Well, actually, the interesting part now is talking to Doctor Rum about. It's totally changed the culture in Korea too. Like really? the the way John went through training, like. I guess he he was there when Tim Flanagan was there, so he he was on SKK from like two thousand five to two thousand and nine. Yeah. They, they play four years, and the level they trained then compared to now is different. It's not as hard. Yeah, and coaches aren't allowed to hit players anymore. That, yeah, that changed about four years ago, and even just really go at players like they used to. But before you were basically like you're you basically belonged to SKK. Yeah, he told me in the car his first three years he never went home. I'm like, well, how far away is your home? Like, the city I think is Daegu, mm-hmm. and it's an hour by bullet train or an hour and a half by bullet train, three really? hours by car, and you can go home for three years. You like trained and trained and yeah, they get they get something like six days off a year. They get a break, which surprised me because they always get a break around December when the seasons change over. But yeah, they they train six days a week. Yeah, almost eleven months of the year. But my sense now is they don't even do that as much anymore. They have bigger breaks. Yeah. And yeah, the whole culture is changing. Even around running, it's changed. Like they, He was telling me they used to run three, eight kilometers a week, three times eight a week, plus their regular 
sprints and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear from Dr. Ram. The culture's changed there as well. And, and it, why wouldn't it? South Korea now is quite a bit wealthier. I visited in 90, 96. Yeah. And, you know, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure Hyundai's were in Canada already, but they were a joke. Like they were the cheapest car that would break down. It was, you know what I mean? Yeah. And now, now they're, they're everywhere. One of the top cars, yeah. Kias and Hyundai's are everywhere, and there was no Kia anywhere. Yeah. So, anyways, their economy's better. They're and Dr. Um says they're having less kids. You're more focused on those kids. It's no different. And I already said, like, it was a lot easier with Tosca. It's two on one versus two on three. Yeah. She had way more attention. She was ahead in her swimming, biking, reading, everything because she had more attention paid to her. Yeah. You know, and then you have five kids and. Obviously, it's going to split even more. So, he, he just, it's interesting to hear from him how it's changed in Korea. Because I wouldn't have thought it would have changed ever. And it has dramatically now in the last 10 years. So, it's last five years. Social media. Yeah, for sure. Social media. And, you know, I, I still think some of the things they do are counterintuitive. Like, yeah. running doesn't help. Like, you saw them running for an hour and 20 minutes before the match. Yeah. That type of running does not help you jump higher. No. I mean, it helps your fitness level. Yeah. Unless unless they're smoking darts between runs. <laughs> they are all smoking still. I asked yeah. John. He's like, the whole team still smokes. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow I think they, they try to hide it from the coaches, though. Really? I get the feeling John smokes all the time, too, but I've never seen him smoke. I've never seen him smoke, either. But I get the I'm... feeling he smokes. Like, <laughs> at our just... downstairs basement, there's always the outdoor light on. And yes, I was like, "Why is that light?" I'm like, "I think John goes outside. Why? I think he's smoking. Well, I don't know why you'd go outside in the middle of the night and need the light on." Yeah. Anyways, I don't know why he hide it, but I get the sense that the Korean team smokes, but they don't want the coach to know. I I don't even understand. Like, I mean, you would smell it, like the like at Jaffrey that one year when Manny was yeah, smoking I, in the van, and then Bennett called Bird and I, and he's like, "Hey, you guys can't smoke." And but they they all smoke, but we left the sushi restaurant in Sun Peaks, and none of them. None of them let up a fired up a dart. Whereas the head coach and doctor on went out five times to have a cigarette during God, dinner. That's insane. So I, I I don't know, but I asked him, John, straight out, does all the Korean guys smoke? He's like, oh yeah, yeah. And vo- actually, volleyball is a sport that smoking really wouldn't affect your performance. Oh, it's not. I mean, it's not a huge cardiovascular thing. So There's zero cardiovascular. Yeah. I mean, you you can still you can still train cardiovascularly the level you need for volleyball and smoke and it wouldn't really have a detrimental effect on your I think game performance yeah do you hear that kids out there you want to play volleyball player you like smoking cigarettes pack a day no problem (laughs) coach Henley said no problem you can smoke and be a good volleyball player it's gonna be my it's gonna be my philosophy as a coach alright guys maybe you come back from Korea got the darts the habit yeah, I'm gonna come smoke. But, but what is sets. great, like what's great about SKK visiting, I think, and and even hosting John, which I didn't. John actually didn't know he was staying here until he got here, and then <laughs> Doctor Ram was like, "You're staying." He's like, "What? You're staying?" Because I was wondering why he looked so kind of panicked. Yeah. So Doctor Ram asked me last year if we could host him. Yeah. I said, "No, I'm not set up for it." And then this year, I thought my communication was clear. It didn't seem like Dr. Owen was clear, so maybe he didn't know for sure if we're going to host until yeah. he got here. And I'm like, yes, we, we were ready to go. We can, mm-hmm. we've can, we got it figured out. 
And so he didn't know he was staying until he got here. And he's got a fucking wife and kids back home. He's like, all right, guys, I'll see you in six weeks when I'm allowed back. He doesn't have, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a wife. Does he? No, I don't know. I don't no. think so. But he, I said, what do your friends think? They're like, oh, they think it's crazy. Yeah, it's like getting abducted. You, yeah. you go for two weeks and you end up staying for seven or eight or whatever. So so, anyways, it's cool because we've already contacted uh, Tim Tim Flanagan and Kyle Donan who are in Korea. We Tim was the first guy we sent. Yeah. Then went Andy. Then went Donan, and they were all. John was there through all three of those guys. So he'll see two of them when we go down and play Trinity this weekend. Oh yeah. So I think that's cool that you know there's still a connection there and yeah, and he'd been here already in 2008 touring with SKK. Yeah. We played them in Cornell and Prince George. So yeah, it's it's funny to think though that you're still in. I just can't imagine as a 31 year old, someone like Doctor Room like now you're gonna stay here. It wasn't. Do you want to stay here? He's like, you stay. They take care of you. And I was there when he was kind of like, they take care of you. And he's he just looked confused and I didn't really get it until he told me like I didn't know I was staying. So he had he had enough stuff back for two weeks and he's here for eight weeks, which. I loaded him up with some Wolfpack gear, so he should be fine. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still still culturally quite different. Yeah, no, totally. I think the I think the whole break thing is really nutty. Even even with U sports, I think that's a pretty crazy thing. The the amount of especially volleyball, the the duration of the season and the amount of breaks that people get. Like everyone oh. does a Christmas tournament, yeah. so everyone's back on the twenty seventh. Everyone hangs around until. I think we hung around until the 15th this year, and that was the earliest we've ever gone home. Like, no, normally, we, we normally were done we around. We were done on the 13th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the Exams earliest. were done on the 15th. Yeah. I actually think we were, not, wasn't the 12th the last practice? Or was it the 13th? I think it might have been the 13th. Well, we every year we get two weeks. Yeah. I've given two weeks every year. The shortest would have been. Oh, like no, no, that's days. right. Yeah, because exams used to finish on the 22nd, which is also. Absurd that exams. No, our exams have never finished. I think seventeenth or eighteenth is the latest our exams have finished. I think my first year they finished on the twenty first. Like I had a crazy late exam. Yeah, and that would be bad. Had to be back on the twenty seventh. Well, I know women's basketball was like nineteenth to twenty sixth. Yeah. No, I think they were left on the twenty first, and they had to be back on the twenty seventh. They had a six day break. I talked to Boston yeah, last and night. The twenty seventh was like twelve to two. So if the girl from Saskatchewan had to come in on the twenty sixth. Like that's insane. I mean, I feel like you need you need a longer break in terms of mental health. You gotta you gotta reset a little bit. Take take a step back from sports. Realize it's not the be all end all. Well, I I totally agree with the break. Like, and and I've always tried to focus on a two week break for sure. But I I've been an advocate of. I think our season's ridiculously long. It's getting longer. Yeah, we're starting next year, October eighteenth. Really. Yeah, that, that's is that a week earlier? It's a full week earlier than this year, which was early. We used to start like TRU. Yeah, I'm not talking about like back in the olden days. Yeah, we've only been an institution for 15 years. We used to have a home opener either November 5th or November 11th. Now, because I've always hosted my high school tournament in the home opener, and the high school coaches loved it when it was Remembrance Day. Yeah, They're like sweet, we don't have to get a sub. It's awesome. Like keep it on that weekend. Yeah, and now I'm October 19th. Well, we're on way that weekend, but still, yeah, it's way too long of a season, and and we had to push it back because we added a week of playoffs. Because it used to go first round, final four, nationals. Now it's first round, second round, final, 
bronze yeah. or whatever. We added a week of playoffs. Right. Yeah. And and if or when Fraser Valley comes in, yeah, I believe and I what I hope is our schedule will stay the same and women's volleyball was gonna go to a tiering or whatever they I have no idea what they're gonna do. They, yeah. They've thrown out this tier one, tier two, like kinda like European soccer where, you know, if you, you're the bottom of tier one, you're you're in tier two, you're the top of tier two, you can move up. And I'm not totally against it. I just think it's so, it goes back again. Like you couldn't get, you put those 14 or 16 teams in a room as an athletic directors or coaches. There's no way you're going to agree on how to split the season. I'm like, split it up geographically. Everyone complains about how much it costs. Yeah. So let's start, let's fuck, let's start being real about what we need to, you need to split it up geographically. And they're like, well, what about, you know, Manitoba's got this history with UBC. I'm like, I, I've, been on the coaching staff at UBC and you go to Manitoba and there's like crickets and tumbleweeds in the gym yeah there's not a 5,000 fans showing up for this so-called storied historical rivalry like I just think we need to split the league in half and then we can shorten everything we can shorten everything down and get back to like sanity yeah because if I if we take off Thanksgiving next year then our last possible exhibition is October 2 and 3 so we're we're gonna be lucky to get two weekends of exhibition, and I was one of the first guys to start playing in September. Yeah, and all these old guys thought I was crazy. Like, why would you do exhibition in September? Like, hey, settle down, young guy. Like, we don't need that. And now everyone next year will be doing an exhibition in September. Yep, based on need. You're starting in a month. You know, well, we used to have a two month preseason. Well, now training. we got this friggin' yeah. training camp, which yeah, again, it, it it's. It's in response to Trinity doing training camp, UBC doing training camp. Yeah, I just wish in Canada they they had the jam to make rules too. Yeah, there's no rules. Yeah, because I mean Trinity brings guys in August, like mid to late August. Yeah, and they and, go on a trip. And I I think it should be legislated. Yeah, I think you should every four years you could take a trip and bring people in early, but other than that, no one should be in the gym before September sixth. Yeah, and I actually think the December break should be legislated as well. No one can train from these periods. This is a dead period like they did in the States. Yeah. You cannot be in the gym from December 15th to December 30th. Yeah. So, just so you, just so you know, we're not doing a lot of preseason next year. Oh, jeez. There's no time. Yeah. Oh, good. I can... And I don't think we're... Well, who knows? I could be wrong, but I think we'll be at least still on the veteran side of things, so potentially not needed. But I, I, I kind of plan on it being lighter. Yeah, and now it's almost a necessity. Yeah, and I really don't want to play on Thanksgiving, but it's probably going to be inevitable. I don't know when they're going to run Dino Cup. I don't know when he's going to run Sofaland. I don't know when they're going to run. UBC wants to. They're talking about resurrecting their Thunderball tournament. There's three tournaments. There's nothing even three weekends. Yeah, you know, like no, it's 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 insane. Like it's but I think especially volleyball. I mean, so yeah, we need we need a well basketballs. Better now because they split it up. They used yeah. to be the same, but I mean, we need a rule to save ourselves from ourselves. That's yeah. essentially what has to happen now. Even soccer brings guys in two months early in the summer, month early. Yeah. Like they bring guys in late July, so people can't even get jobs. That's the thing, is that you? Yeah, get, you but get they they could be working now though. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. That's true. Yeah, they could be working in the second half, but well, they could be working from yeah November. Yeah, when was nationals? I think it's November. Yeah. Yeah. First thing probably. Nationals finishes, but. Yeah, December, January, February. And they do a spring thing too. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe we should just can the whole thing. Sports. We'll just exit. I I wish it was a uh, NCAA season of like a four month season. Yeah, because everyone's like, okay, it's insane for that four months. Our schedule is is still insane. We have a seven month year, and it's insane. Yeah, and you know the women's volleyball coaches are the ones that wanted to get rid of Final Four, and like I want to go to Final Eight. Yeah. And everyone's like, well, we need to ensure the best team is going to make it. Okay, this is sport, man. Like, are we going to start best of sevens now? Like, hey, Canada West first round, best of seven. Home and away. Like, fuck, let's just get on with it. What's what's the most exciting tournament in the world? Worlds. No, the most exciting. Like, what do you what do you think the most exciting tournament, famous tournament in the world is? Come on, Melanie. NCAA men's okay. basketball. Okay. Oh, I mean, okay. Women's yeah, basketball. March, March Madness. Yeah, yeah. March Madness. Why okay. is it so famous? Because anything can happen. It's yeah. one off. Boom. Two teams show up full of teenagers. Number one seed. Last right? year, first first one sixteen yeah. sixteen wins. Yeah. And 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 when people say upsets are like three versus whatever, those aren't really the huge upsets people think they are. When yeah. there's three hundred and thirty teams they're ranking people out of. Yeah. But it's exciting for that fact. Yeah. Totally. Hey, it's just a bunch of teenagers, man. They could lose. I'm actually surprised there's not more upsets in that tournament. But that tournament and format is exciting for that reason. Now, yeah. does that ensure the best team is going to win all the time, that format? No, for sure, a two out of three. Or, you know, there's a reason why professionals sports play best of sevens. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't disagree with that. But let's get real here. Like, let's do a best of eight, final eight, Canada West. And, and there's a final eight for the national title. Yeah. Two weekends. Well, I think the reason that then we could roll back two more weekends or three more weekends of our season, yeah, or have a break going to nationals, whatever we want to do. But I, I don't even really want to play January third and fourth. Yeah, that's a stupid weekend to play right across the country. There's no one here. That's right after. It's hard enough to get people in the second semester to come out anyways, and no school's not in session. Yeah, and I'm like, why are we playing when school's not in session? No one seems to have the answer other than we've jammed the shit out of our schedule, and there's nowhere else to go now. And again, someone needs to save us from ourselves. Like you can't, you you couldn't get a, a you can't get ten coaches to agree on anything. And people are always like, oh, you know, you're part of the athletic department. And everyone must kind of work together. No, nobody really gives a fuck about anyone else. It's everyone's in a silo, and they're focused on their thing. Yeah. And I would think guys on the team would want me 100 percent focused on trying to get the best for our team. You know, and so then you take that across. 10 volleyball coaches and try to agree on a schedule that is either the best for volleyball or no, not a chance. Yeah. Then you bring it to athletic directors, not a chance. Like it's, I don't think it's going to change for the good. I wish it would. <clears throat> and I wish we'd go to US style where it was four months. Yeah. Like soccer. Sense. Soccer, I think, yeah. is a perfect season. Yeah. As, as shitty it is to come in the summer, yeah. it's still over. There's still some free time to. Totally. To do things. I mean... The pe- and the, to focus on being a student. Yeah, exactly. The past the past few months of being only a student, not showing up to volleyball practice all the time. Holy shit. Like, yeah. I've, I've, I've learned who I am as a human being. Yeah, and it's not the same. Like, I coach in the 90s UBC. Our schedule is, is different. Yeah. We're training at a higher level. There's more focus on it. I think there's a little more... Uh, there's a little higher level of guys coming in as well. Like, a little more prepared physically um, but anyways yeah it's uh, yeah I, I don't like the schedule I mean nobody 
I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. No, nobody gets the chance to become just a student. When you're when you're a student athlete, you're only a student athlete. You don't. I think we get one month. One month if you if you play the whole season, make nationals, you get one month to just be a student. And even then, teams train. It's not. Like, a, it's not even a month. No. Yeah. Like teams train through that. I mean, women's soccer started training. They had two weeks off, and they started training again. Ken had rules about how long you were supposed to you're supposed to take off after the season's yeah. over and because break, but like again. Well, especially soccer. I mean, you don't play for another eight months. Why not give the kids give the kids until the next semester, and then they get the chance to become a student and like develop friend groups that are only within their yeah, sport. If you're gonna do something, bring them in before the season starts. Yeah, it's kind of postseason training at the best of times is painful. At the best of times, so yeah, I would think. Well, maybe the new soccer coach is going to listen to this and, and get a tip from that. Like, yeah, hey, you know when your athlete's complaining, maybe give them a couple more weeks off after the season's <laughs> over. Yeah, that makes sense. Do they really train that hard? Women's soccer in season. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I think who? so. Yeah, oh. I mean, not they they just train all the time, train all the time, do a shit ton of workouts. I mean, you burn out. I but don't. yeah, but yeah, I I agree. I mean, I, I I don't look at and I think they're fitter than they like. Like I don't. I see women's soccer in the gym more than I do any other team. Without a doubt, there's, actually, you're right. I do see women's soccer players in the gym. There's that the girl that Ryan's dating, Ainley. She could beat his ass in in a second. She is. She looks like a rugby player. She could snap him. She's the half. one that has like kind of dyed blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. The the platinum like hair. silver. She could. Yeah, beat I the see her in the gym all the time. Him. I didn't even know she was a soccer player. Yeah. Huh. Well, anyways, yeah. I I my sense was like I didn't get the sense, but I don't know that they trained harder than any other team. I, th- I think I, I'm not sure if they like was that coach driven or player driven like they they are they they're in that they're in the they're in the weight room though they're individuals in the weight yeah. room yeah is that like, the program they were given I think I think it's a lot more player driven than it is coach driven I know that there's a redheaded girl on the soccer team that I see every day at the gym yeah I just I don't know maybe they they did work harder two kids well and, and the, one of the issues and and it, every athlete should have a voice. And it's going to be interesting to see how things pan out because, you know, the perception is like a bunch of soccer players complained and the coach got fired. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, I don't think that's the whole story, but it, it, it again is another symptom of our time. And I think everyone should have a voice. Like if, if there was unreasonable training going on or something, my perception from the outside looking in, and I'm very limited. Um, like, again, I'm in a silo. I don't really care about other teams. I don't know. I don't even really know how women's volleyball trains for that fact, like yeah. day to day. But I, I never got this feeling. The rumor in this, the, the athletic department was like women's soccer is training like crazy, like overtraining. I don't think that, from my understanding, that wasn't the reason. Yeah. So, anyways, wh- whatever the reason was, but it goes back to again, like schools and, and, I don't know. I just, I just find there's, there's a. Lowest common denominator thing that we always have to drag people down to the lowest common denominator. Like, hey, I was tired. Uh, I don't really give a shit if one person's tired. Like, th- that's irrelevant. Yeah. But in and that, unfortunately, the way people are raised now, like, you're you you should have a voice. Of course, you should have a voice. But you feel like you said that voice now, and like it has it. I I, I mustered the courage to say it. Why isn't my needs being getting taken care of? It's like, yeah. Hey, I'm like, unfortunately, this is kind of part of it. 
I think that's the shitty thing. People don't understand that if you can't get anywhere without being sore, tired, yeah, uncomfortable. Exactly. Like, I just everyone has this vision of like I'm gonna be this, I'm gonna be that, and then you're like, okay, fuck, that's great. Let's make a plan. Let's put it on paper. Let's get this going. Hey, man, I'm I'm sore. Yeah, that's part of like working hard. Like oh, I'm a little bit tired. I'm like, yeah, that's also part of working hard. Hey, it didn't happen right away. Yeah, no, never happens right away. And then people lose that muster. Yeah. That's the whole lawnmower parent thing too. Like if you, if as a child you're not allowed to suffer, I think, I think suffering becomes a, that becomes a necessary part of your development. You got to go through some shitty stuff, and then stuff gets a little bit easier. Every time I was you just, go through a shitty thing. Yeah, fucking. I was just in England, and my cousin married an older guy, and they're they're on their second. He's on his second family, and two years ago they had to talk him out of moving his seven year old son to Spain to basically a village where he would get like have to fight through like you know like being on a poor soccer team and having to fight through and get a tough edge to him about like yeah. you know basically get some street sense and toughness to him because he's growing up rich in England and he's soft and whatever and yeah. it's like there's something to be said for that though because it's hard as a human being to be like push yourself when you've got all your needs are met yeah and yeah I mean I've had countless guys in my office broke up with their first girlfriend and their heart's broken and I can be a little bit of a dick sometimes and I'm like hey you're never gonna know love until you you basically get your heart broken like it's it's hard to know if you're really in love yeah you know it's, it's also hard to know like how many times in life do people feel hunger in this world I think I, I think when I started fasting I look back and I'm like I don't think I was hungry for for like my entire life I did a three-day fast coming back from Phoenix and how it was, was it? It was it was better than I thought it would be, and at the same time, it was worse. There'd yeah, be which times day did where, it hit you? Um, day two was fucking bad. Yeah, day two was bad. Day two was really bad. Day three wasn't awful. Day three night was because I ate on day three night. Oh, okay, and I I I've only done three or four. Day three gets bad when I start thinking about what I'm like. Yeah. What my meal's gonna be? Then my mouth starts to water, and I'm, and I, that's the only time I have physical pain. Yeah. When I'm thinking about the meal I'm gonna eat in three hours, that's the mistake I've made, and I've broken it twice. I broke it before the full seventy-two hours. Yeah. I, I'm planning eating at seven. I'm like, I am not gonna wait till seven. I am gonna eat at four. Like, there's just no way. Yeah. But well, day two is is a tough one. I was sitting in the going to bed in day two is has always been hard for me. Yeah. I was sitting in the airport, and there's like I fucking love like shitty Chinese food, like Manchu yeah, walk, yeah. Oriental walk kind of stuff. And I just like walked by, smelt it, and that was the most pain I've ever felt. And in terms of hunger, that was bad. I yeah, just go I, sit I'm there still blown fuck. away by how many people freak the fuck out when you talk about fasting. Like somehow you can't eat. Like even when <clears throat> I was doing it and Hawkins was around. Yeah. He's like, how is this possible? I'm like, Hawk, I haven't eaten in a day and a half. And I'm right beside him doing the spin class. He's like, you're going to fall off the bike. I'm like, it, it's not going to be an energy system that stops me. It's going to be my cardiovascular, my general fitness will stop me before a food. And when you learn to not panic about it, yeah, it's okay. But again, we can't, we would not have survived as a species if we couldn't go prolonged times without food. Yeah. Whether it's healthy or not, I think it's a good mental exercise to stretch it out a little bit. And going back to this parenting thing, I just can't fucking believe the level of snacking we've fucking put our kids through now. It's fucking unreal. People look at you like there's 30 minutes soccer practice and they're like, we need snack time. I'm like, what the fuck? 
four water breaks and a snack in 30 minutes? Like, I don't even want to put my kid in that. Actually, we didn't put the twins in that because I said it was such a waste of time. And these parents are, like, legitimately concerned their kid needs a snack and a 30-minute soccer fucking practice. I'm like, give me a break. You should get fed three times as, as a just a person. Yeah. And, yeah, because everyone tells me, like, when I start to press parents, like, why do you think your kid needs food all the time? Like, they're going to get cranky. Okay. Like, good. They're gonna get cranky. Yeah. Maybe they're gonna learn to deal with that. Like, yeah. That, that's a huge thing is giving into that immediately. Anytime. And the same, gets cranky, same with bedtime, right? Off. Yeah. Our kids have gone to bed. Like, obviously, Christmas we don't care and whatever. They're a little yeah. bit off. So today, Mika's tired from last night. Cried like three times today. Okay. Talked about it. Hey, you're you're crying because you're cranky or whatever. Like, it's not the end of the world. Like, it's just people think it's the end of the world that their kid would feel like this momentary pang of hunger. Yeah. So you better smash some fishy crackers in his mouth just in case. Because I, I, when I first started seeing this snacking phenomenon, I'm like, I remember saying to my mom, like, did, did, you, did I have a snack all the time? I remember just being starving sometimes, crawling home, and I would eat anything you put in front of me because I was starving. It's the reason I came home. I, remember, I didn't get... I, I didn't get snacks packed for me all yeah, the time. I didn't get a... I had three meals a day, and then if I, if I came home and really wanted a snack, I got water. That was it. Yeah. I got I got water, water and beaten. <laughs> beaten and it's put in a closet. I remember being That's so what happened in Mulaney all the like, time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I I get it and I don't get it. But parents now, man, and I actually see these kids now and they're already fatty. And I was reading uh, it was a Michael Pollan book. Could have been the Omnivore's dilemma, but they're they're talking about how kids in America look now. They look like animals that you fatten up for slaughter yeah like you see these kids now and they got this layer of fat everywhere on their body they're fatty little sausages and then yeah. their parents are like i see them with a handful of fishy crackers and i just want to swat it out of their hands like stop eating that stuff man look at your kid he's already fat he's yeah. seven and and there is literature and it's i fully believe this when you're fat when you're younger you're predisposed to be fat when you're older. Like fat cells have a memory and fat cells can expand, right? And that's why liposuction doesn't work. You yeah. can suck the fat cells out. Fat cells can multiply. So fat people have more fat cells. Yeah. So when you lose the weight, you're still going to have more fat cells. That's why it's easier to gain weight. Anyways, so well, you're, you're sentencing your kid to being basically fat. Yeah. And again, I just went to Costco today. People probably think I'm crazy because I go to Costco now. I park. I run in. So I'm trying to save time. Yeah. I feel like time is the one thing that... I think time is the one thing people don't value as much as they should. No, we talk about absolutely. money and things and whatever, and we don't talk about time. That's why this is a big deal for me, Melania. It's my time here. Fight. So I, I'm at Costco, and I park far away, and I laugh at people that are looking for their, their close parking spot. I yeah. run in. I go to the hard right. I run all the way to the back end, to the meat section, because that's where I want to go. I don't... There's no devices I want there's no clothing I want yeah and I I go through Costco and I just the thing that resonates with me people move slow with their mouths half open and everyone is fat in there took Tosca to her first cross-country ski lesson everyone is skinny at the cross-country skiing here's a surprise hey cross-country skiing you're skinny go to Costco you're a fat ass it was it's ridiculous and then in my head I always make mooing and buying sounds when I'm going through <laughs> Costco as people move super slow. Yeah. They're probably like, who's this crazy bastard running? I fucking put my cart down sometimes 
when it's too congested. Sprint in, grab my broccoli out of the cooler, and fucking run out. And yeah. I don't take my cart to the milk section. I run to the milk section, grab and go. I went in there with Oli, and he was parking. Yeah. And I'm like, meet you in the food court. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm going to be done by the time you park this car and get your old ass in here. I will be done in the food. And I was. I was in the line waiting for him. I'm like, go stand in line so we don't have to waste time. He's like, what's your problem? I'm like, I got to go, man. I can't. This place makes my skin crawl. It's just. And then the worst thing is the fat parents with the fat kids in Costco. And I'm like, hey, you don't need more food for less money. You need less food. Period. (laughs) Actually, get the, you don't need to supersize anything in this fucking family. Yeah, I just want to go to their cart and start throwing things out of their cart. <laughs> don't need this. Don't need this. Don't need this. Don't need this. Keep the vegetables. Get out of here. Well, man, being in Mexico is fucking crazy. They have the highest obesity rate for children per, in the whole world. Yeah, and it. But what's the, that from in those poor villages? All Sugar. They, all they eat down there, all they drink is coke. Yeah, so they they only drink coke, and their they coke is water. better. Did you notice that? I didn't drink any of it. I, it's cane I, sugar. I cannot. Oh, cane sugar is actually really good. That's Jones Soda too. Yeah, yeah. I used it's, to crush Jones Soda. It's better. Yeah. I don't yeah. care what anyone says. The, the high whatever corn syrup is not as good. No. Cane sugar is better for you as well. But yeah. That's all they do. It just is tastes better. They just drink Coke and they eat tacos. There's no vegetables. There's no fruit. That's it. It's just We're corn. The beans, man. No one's eating beans. No beans. Man. No beans. Not in San Felipe, at least. I mean, That's it's a, a misnomer it's a, that the Mexicans eat a lot of beans. I'm sure they do, but this is like oh, okay. a really, really poor fishing village, and they don't even. Hey, the, the government like illegalized be, much of the fishing too. So you can't be just too fucked. poor for beans, man. Beans <laughs> got to be cheaper than Coke. Yeah. But that's all they drink is Coke, huh. and they just eat tortilla and corn flour. I actually think our childhood of BC is better than it was ten years ago. North America, I think it's getting better. I, I think the education system is helping a lot with that. But yeah, totally to your point that you, if you're fat, you stay fat. You yeah, it's harder to you break the cycle. Weight. You yeah. can't like we're we're learning about this right now in sociology, which is cool. But yeah. if you if you put on weight, the human body is really fucking bad at losing weight because if you put on weight, yeah. well, then we you're expecting an ice age. So you're expecting sure. you want you want as much fat as possible. So when you put on weight, the likelihood that it comes back is within a year. You're within a like a kilogram of what you were. So there's no point in yo-yoing up and down because then that's absurdly That's what one of my buddies told me when I lost a bunch of weight. He's like, what, why did you bother? You're, you're just going to get him back. I'm like, I'm not getting him back. <laughs> so yeah, what, what was your... And I called them all fat bastards now all the time. <laughs> hey, listen, you fat bastard. I'm not getting him back. You need to drop some weight. So you're gonna, And I, I'm mean, like, you're going to die a horrible death. That's one of my, my buddies that are overweight. You know it's going to get horrible at the end. Like, it's not a good outcome when you're obese. Yeah. There's very little good outcomes when you're obese. In terms of, like, you might live to 90. It's going to be god-awful from freaking 70 to 90. It's going to be miserable. Someone's wiping your ass. You're not going to be able to go to the bathroom by yourself. Like, you don't want to live like that. It's fentanyl time. That's like... <laughs> that's, that's someone that dies. Uh, like I was, I was basically 265-ish. Mm-hmm. Hard to say. I think at some point I must have hit 270. Because yeah. I weighed myself in. It wasn't the heaviest I was. And then I got down to... The lowest I got down to was 212. And I'm about 225 right now. And I definitely added some muscle. Yeah. I don't know how much. Like I think we always, always over-attribute how much muscle we add when we work out. We're like, I'm working out, man. It's Muscle weighs more than fat. Like 
I'm good. Like I'm good. I'm like, eh, it takes more than two weeks to actually gain muscle. But yeah, I, I know for a fact when I go lift weights now and uh, I definitely am stronger than I was for sure. I mean, I, I told Ryan Adams, this like when I first started, I'd struggle. I would struggle to do like 10 solid pushups. Yeah. And I'm confident I could do 50 pushups. Yeah. Going from like 47, 46, I guess I was to 48. And, and I think it also is a bit of a, a lie when people say you can't gain weight and you, you get this thing that says like, well, of course that's going to happen as you get older. You're going to get fatter and out of shape and not as strong or whatever. And like, yeah, if you let yourself. Yeah. I think the human body, again, is like adaptable and wants to, to, to keep fat if it can. But also yeah. the human body wants to be strong and agile. I was going like, say, well, you want to survive. That's, yeah, that's, I mean, the, that's the goal, to survive not, and reproduce. I don't think anyone back in the olden days at 40 was like, hey, it's over now. I'm just going to let people feed me. There was no one to feed you. Yeah. Like you either provided something or well that's that's a really interesting thing that i found kind of with, went with off in the injury in old people's homes is the best way to to run an old person home is let the old people do as much as they physically can yeah you don't want to do any more because then they start to rely on other people and then you lose a sense of self because then the line gets blurred between the shitty excuse you have and who you really are as a person and well was, i i just know this from everything now like before it used to be like you get injured like hey you know, sprain your ankle, four weeks on the couch. Yeah. No, that's not the way you do it now. And the same as with, with aging exactly. Like, I think when you stop moving, it's over. Yeah. When I hear when I hear friends' parents, and my friends' parents are all in their 70s now, and unfortunately a lot of them are dying. Um, one of my best friends' dad just died of cancer. But when you start to hear, like, yeah, they just don't get out much anymore, or they're not doing anything, you know, it's one thing to retire, but it's one thing to stop moving. Yeah. And again, when, when I hear people, like, the excuses we make and other people make, like why they're not going to work out, why they're not going to, I don't have time, <clears throat> I don't have this, I mean, my body can't handle it. I'm like, you just need to stop eating and go for a walk. Yeah. That's, they're like, it can't be that simple. I'm like, it's the, it is that simple. I fucking guarantee anyone, anyone, if you've walked 45 minutes a day, every day, you're going to lose it 10, 10% of your body weight in three months. Yeah. Do nothing else different. So I have buddies that are like, Hey, well, I'm not going to give up beer, and I'm not going to give up this. I'm like, you don't have to. There's there's ways you can do it without giving up anything. Yeah. But you still have to do it. And then when I get people like, I don't have time. I'm like, don't make me make don't make me ask you what you do with your fucking day to say you don't have 45 minutes because that's bullshit. Yeah. Pure and simple. And it, I get that from players all the time. Like, oh, we just I don't have time, coach. I just think if there was a gun to your head, you would find the time. Like if it was life or death, if it was a sense of urgency, if it, you know, I think the, I think the there's more... time for sure. And yeah. we make excuses because how much of our life is spent on doing things again that are time killers. Yeah. It's monotonous bullshit. I mean, yeah, we're trying we, we're at the point in society now, you know, talk about the fall of the empire where we're finding ways to amuse ourselves. Yeah. Cause it's not about putting food on the table. It's not about, getting where you want to go. Like it didn't take me any energy to get here today. Yeah. Took me 20 minutes, took me zero energy. Now, 150 years ago, you're like, Hey Pat, you want to come over to my house? And I guess it wouldn't be a podcast. If you writing this down, I'd be like, oh, yeah, Josh, that's, you know, you the horse isn't ready or yeah. <laughs> I'm going to walk or ride my bike. Like, Start a pilgrimage. That's different. That's time and energy. That's energy. What it took me, but we don't, 
we don't have a struggle anymore to put food on the table, especially in North America for most people, put food on the table, get where we're going. We're not expending energy on that. And unfortunately, most of our jobs now are not anything to do with manual labor at all. Yeah. And that trend will continue. So yeah, we box ourselves in and then we spend, I probably, I don't know. I, I, I actually didn't know that your phone could tell you how much time you spend on your phone. But the next time one of my buddies tells me he doesn't have time, I'm going to grab his fucking phone and be like, hey, put four hours on your phone today, fatty. <laughs> hey, you had four hours, you could have done something. Yeah. Or walk around with your phone in your hand then if that's what you want to do. Like I, It's amazing, actually. I've looked at my phone over the holidays and yeah. I was averaging four hours a day. And I'm reading on my phone, but still, it doesn't matter. I'm on my phone for four hours a day. Yeah. Whatever I'm doing on my phone isn't life or death. And very little of it is actually work. I can say I'm checking, like, in case the all-star recruit fucking emails me, but I'm not really. Yeah. That's not really what I'm doing on my phone. Well, like, before, I remember my first year thinking, holy shit, there's not much time for anything. And now it's, like, six classes practicing full-time. I gotta go to the bathroom. Okay. Yeah, and then you're gonna have kids going in, and you're like, holy shit, I wasted a lot of time. Well, as soon as I had the twins, I'm like, fuck, what was, what was I doing before? <laughs> I guess I was doing nothing. Hey, John, you wanna get on the podcast? Yeah. Okay, go talk to John. Yeah, like, like my mom's boyfriend, they're less. He's 96. His life growing up was about putting food on the table. Yeah. Well, I think the further away we get from that, he the more... He talks about his friggin' salt pork in the corner. That was his <laughs> fridge. He didn't even have a fridge growing up. Really? Chunks of ice and sawdust and a barrel of salt pork. And you, he's like, you scoop out a piece of meat with some lard and you fry that up and you throw some potatoes in there. That's a good meal. Salt. And actually now they're saying... I don't even know what's true. I don't even know where I read it, but they're like, hey, lard is actually not bad for you. Oh, that's good for you. That's, I mean, that's what No, but they're talking about lard versus like vegetable oil. Like good old fashioned lard. That's, there was no canola oil back in the 1930s. I don't even know what other oils they would, they wouldn't have used olive oil. No. There's not a chance people even knew what olive oil was back in the 30s and 40s in Canada. The only thing that I cook with is avocado oil, coconut oil, and then I use olive oil if I'm not cooking. Because it changes the mo- the molecular structure of it if you heat it to a certain Yeah, olive oil is good up to about 400. It's, yeah. it's actually okay to saute. And... Yeah. Yeah, no, like I... Bef- yeah, I before this oil. year, I thought that there was no time ever. I always made really shitty excuses. And now it's like, hey, like I'll, I'll be hanging out with someone. They're like, oh, what do you do? I, oh, I six classes, uh, full-time student-athlete. I coach a team, do a podcast... Oh, like what? What? And what are you doing? Oh, like I have no time to do anything. I'm in three classes. Like I go to class and people bitch and complain about not being able to get homework done. So, oh, yeah. what, what were you doing? Uh, yeah, I just went on a Netflix binge. What the fuck are you doing? What are you like? You're so I'm pretty happy. There was no Netflix <laughs> back when I went to school. Yeah, you you fucking lucked out. I, I remember. This is how old I am now. I remember it was like me and my buddy from the Kootenays. We're so entranced by uh, not MTV, much music. Yeah. We watched it for like, I can't even remember. In a weekend, we probably watched, we probably watched in 48 hours, we probably watched 36 hours of 
much music because we were so Those music videos or what just videos yeah we'd never really we we're in the cuties we didn't have cable it was like mind-blowing 1988 we're like wow you know, music videos tube tv <laughs> yeah well you guys are facing it <laughs> i remember i still remember getting a color tv yeah the first people on the block I, we were one of the first people on our block to get a vhs actually we started with beta my oh dad, yeah my dad bet on beta that, hard yeah. it's better technology he took that to the bitter end <laughs> VHS was just crushing it. He's like, Beta's better. It's better. <laughs> hey, no one's listening, Dad. You can't even rent. I was like, Dad, we can't even rent Beta anymore. We can't even. So we actually took, we would, we were pirating back then. We would get the VHS and we'd tape it onto Beta. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we taped all those movies. We never watched them again, but we always rented movies and taped them. So we had like 100 Beta movies in our house. I should have kept some of those heirlooms. Should have kept the beta. Yeah, well, even now a DVD, people look at you like you're from a fucking different era. Yeah, my, my like, grandma Hey, I got has, a DVD, and they're like, well, how would you play that? My grandma has thousands of DVDs. Yeah. I'm like, that is thousands wasted. No, not if she has a DVD player. <laughs> but it's uh, cool. Like, and they're just awful movies, too. I'm talking... Oh, yeah. I, I don't know why anyone... Would, well, Netflix is taking care of that now. Like, Sharknado. No, no, no one ever now would want to... Because Netflix has got every shitty movie imaginable. Yeah. For your even, on-demand consumption. Even YouTube is like going off now. YouTube's starting to produce their own content, and yeah. you you can look up anything on YouTube and go on this crazy binge of everything. So how how does YouTube not get charged with copyright when people pirate stuff on their medium? They're just um, a server for something to pirate because like, you can get movies on YouTube now, right? Like you you can buy you so you can rent movies on YouTube, but you can't. You what if, what if somebody takes an illegal copy of whatever, puts it on YouTube? They'll YouTube, take it down. They'll it's, take it down. Yeah, just oh, instantly. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, no... there, I have been on YouTube maybe three times in my life. That's it, not watching a uh, like a video that a kid sends me. Yeah. I've been on it like three times in my life. It's fucking awesome. I just crush lectures. Like I'll wake up in the morning, make some breakfast, and just watch a few lectures. Because there's everything. Everything. Yeah, I know, Charlie but... just watches camping shit all the time. Like everything's on YouTube now. Yeah, but that's why I don't want to go into YouTube because it's a fucking wormhole. Oh, 100%. It's a vortex, and I'll you, get stuck in that vortex. You start YouTube at 6 p.m. and I'm actually look up at 4 a.m. and we'll realize you're watching cat videos. I, I've just realized, too, that uh, like, well, I'm not sick of podcasts, but I have to expand my podcast now. I'm a little bit sick of like kind of the self-help. and I, I, go, I have to go back and forth for music and podcasts because I'll normally listen to a podcast and think about it for a day, but I can't do... Like two or three podcasts in a day, because after a while I'm like, oh yeah, I, yeah, and I, I don't walk do regularly anymore. I want to get back to walking more for like listening to podcasts than the actual walking part of it. So, my my second, you took a you took a sabbatical. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Just for my second year, what what was the catalyst for that? And then, because holy shit, you came back. Like you, you went out to the back and shot Pat Henley. Yeah, buried him uh, in a the ditch catalyst, somewhere. The catalyst for that was, well, there's a lot of things. Like we, even before having Tosca, I probably took the job too seriously. Yeah, and it affected a lot of my life. So I, I was working on that a little bit, and then we had Tosca, which obviously was great because it, you know, and, and I, I say this like, having Tosca should have changed my behavior more than it did. Mm. A little bit to my embarrassment, it didn't. But then we lost the baby between. 
the Twins and Tosca, which was a pretty hard blow. Like I'll I'll never forget, Ken Olenek, my old boss, was running towards me, and I'm like, and I'd never seen Ken run before. I'm like, that's not good. Ken, Big Ken is like full fucking steam. Looking at me, something's gone. You know, you get the feeling, yeah. right? Like, whoa, yeah. he's not running up here to be like, hey, we're going to give you a raise, or hey, <laughs> something happened. Like, yeah. like, this isn't good. And that's when he's like, hey, you got to hide at your mom's place. Something's wrong. I get there, the ambulance is there. We go to the hospital. From the time Ken came into my practice at four, the baby was born at uh, 5.30 and lived for six hours. And in the entire time the baby was alive, I was, first of all, trying to understand really what had happened. Yeah. Uh, the weather was bad, so they would have flown us to Vancouver if there was a chance, but the weather was too bad. The, there was no flights going in and out, mm-hmm. which is probably better because I don't think the baby would have survived right. 23 weeks. And I, I mean, I didn't know then, but there's a massive difference between 23 weeks and 24 weeks. There's a massive difference between 23 and 5 days versus 23 and you know, six days even. What twenty four yeah. hours can make a difference? Yeah, anything at that point. Um, so obviously that happened, and then we had to go through the process of of the twins being in the hospital, and uh, obviously it's not even obviously. I I went through the process after realizing twenty three weeks isn't viable. They were in the hospital, and up until the like, you know, we we the water broke on Mika, so Heidi went in at. Uh, I was at the CIS. Um, nationals in Calgary yeah. and when I got the call again like Heidi's going to the hospital to to get her cervix stitched up so I, I managed I think to get on I was on in the cab talking to the travel agent and I got on that flight from when I got the call till I was on the flight was about an hour and 15 minutes um, so I get there she goes into surgery she's on bed rest and starting there I had to live with Heidi's parents who are great people, but it's a high stress situation. Right. Um, and yeah, things were just like imploding all around me. And I look back now and I, I think I actually handled a lot of it okay, but it just became a point where I'm like, and I, I said to Ken straight out, I'm like, you either find a way to give me a year off or I'm going to burn this house down because I'm not going to quit. Yeah. I'm just going to start calling it sick. And you're going to find someone else to go on road trips. So, Ken, if you don't want to go to Winnipeg to coach men's volleyball, then you better figure out a way to make this happen. Because we had talked about a sabbatical. We talked about a leave of absence. And he's like, well, you can take any time you want off without pay. I'm like, hey, I still have a family, Ken. Yeah. That's not going to work. And he's like, well, no one will prove it. I'm like, well, if nobody gives a shit here, then I'm burning the house down if you can't figure this out. Yeah. And I, I look back at that and I'm like, maybe that's not the best way to do it. But 24 hours later, he's like, you, you've got your year off. So for me, and and probably three times before that, I told Heidi I was going to quit coaching because I was internalizing it and taking it, you know, the living and dying with the team and how things were going was like, yeah. for me, I was too invested in that. And I had realized at that point, even with Tosca, like, hey, this is not making me a better parent or a better husband. So she had talked me out of quitting. And at that point, I was like, this isn't going to happen. Like, this is not making my life. The path I was on was not the path I wanted to be on. I right. guess the best way to put it. So yeah, and and I actually didn't do shit until January of my sabbatical, is when I really started getting things going. Yeah. I had, I had written down a bunch of my intentions, and it wasn't until it's probably January second where I really kicked it into gear. That's when I first did that keto OS. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, there, there is some stuff that happened with that QoS, man. I don't know what I don't know what's in that stuff, but two things: stuff that came out of me was terrible, and I was not hungry for the first time in my life. That was the first time. The keto S, what is that? <clears throat> keto S is just exogenous ketones. Yeah. So you have it with like coffee in the morning. It's like a powder. Okay. And I, I wasn't hungry. I I was doing that was the first twenty four hour. I was doing the guy I would talk to. Uh, one of my friends is still doing it. He sells it, and and I talked to him about it. So I was eating one meal a day, a high fat meal a day, and which I thought was impossible. Yeah. So the first two days I was like, this is not gonna work. Mm-hmm. I must have drank. I bet I drank 20, 20 plus cups of coffee and tea those first two days. Holy fuck. Yeah, I just Amazed kept, you alive. I just kept drinking like hot liquids, yeah. non-caloric hot liquids. And then, and then day three I wasn't hungry. And I was like, what is in this stuff that I'm not hungry right now? Like I actually felt a little bit high and, and I realized I've gone through that with fasting too, where I just yeah. feel like everything's clear. And I, I actually think that's your body saying like, I'm helping you things look clear right now so you can go kill something. Like, you hit that caloric go, deficit. It's like, time to you, go, let's go, go yeah. get something. And that that's day two for me is always hard to sleep. And I think it's the same thing It's like, Hey buddy, why are you sleeping right now? You need to go and get some food. Yeah. Anyways, so that was the first time it ever happened because Heidi's like, hey, I don't think you should keep doing this. Mm. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to suck it up. Like, I don't think this is going to kill me, so I'm just going to keep doing it. Yeah. So that was the first thing that kind of shook me out of it and made me realize, like, maybe I don't need to eat five meals a day. Yeah. Maybe I can, you know, stretch it out a little bit. So, but anyways, going back to like what, where the leave of absence came out, it, it really that year that the twins were in the hospital. I hadn't even really processed the stuff from the baby passing away. And and good or bad for Heidi, she really was not aware of what was going on. Like, I think it was such a traumatic event for her that the six hours the baby was alive, she barely can remember any of it. Like, the conversations we had, and, yeah. uh, and I was having conversations with her brother. And, yeah, so that was a, obviously a very traumatic thing. And then the twins and being basically out of my house for five months. Yeah. Like I was living with other people for five months and I like my space. Like, yeah. I like my space and I actually quite like being alone. Right. Totally. So anyways, that was a very difficult situation. To yeah. Do. Well, I remember after that, you were the one that convinced me to go to therapy. Yeah. And that was, that, that, that's been huge for me because I, I see a therapist once a week now, at least. I mean, not necessarily at least. I see a therapist at least once every two weeks. Yeah. Because it's like an... The greatest thing ever. You just get to work through so much. Well, shit. and what what everyone, I think everyone thinks they're alone, and everyone has everyone has some weird shit they're embarrassed about, and everyone yeah. has some like trauma. Whether whether the outside world believes it's trauma or not is irrelevant because in your mind it is trauma. Yeah. Whether it's something that happens to your kid or whatever, like it's basically any psychologist would agree that someone would have something they would consider traumatic in their life, and. I don't care what scale you want to put it on and, and whether it's relevant to, you know, like my trauma compared to someone that, you know, grew, grew up in that village in Mexico you're talking about. I'm yeah. sure the trauma in that village is quite a bit higher than the trauma that, you know, that kid would be like, hey, I would have loved to live your life with your so-called trauma. But yeah. regardless, I think everyone has stuff to work through. And yeah. I think there's still a stigma attached to like asking for help. And it, it's not even, I used to think it was a male thing. Like, hey, we're not, I think it's just a, 
people are embarrassed to admit they're weak and they need help. It's not even weak. It's like ask for that help. Yeah. To you, that you level. Just, it's just that you're not perfect. I mean, there, yeah. it, I think especially social media portrays the, yeah, yeah. the life that you're living your best life always and that nothing's ever wrong and you're always, you're always doing the best that's physically possible. But then you get down to it and you're like, oh, well, these people are actually severely depressed to post on Instagram completely, like constantly yeah, for, what was for the instant first, gratification. The twins, I guess the twins are two were in Hawaii and they're both just crying like crazy. And I was there with the, the other dad and his kids were being nightmares too. And I'm like, I took a video of the twins crying, like living the dream in Hawaii. I'm like, I don't <laughs> sure why we got on a plane to do this. And I took a video yeah. and posted it. People like, oh my God, it's so refreshing. I'm like, never really clicked into me that nobody ever put stuff like that on social media. Yeah. They'd put the picture of the kids at the pool and like, we're in Hawaii. Hey, suckers. I, I just think social media, maybe because I didn't grow up with it, I just think it's a huge, like, bragging. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's a total show off bragging thing, which everyone likes to do. And yeah. And I, maybe, maybe because I didn't grow up in it, like, I don't feel as, I don't know. I, I, I try to make a point of posting stuff. But now I'm on Facebook. But like so I'll, I'll, I'll make fun of myself. Be like, ah, like fucking rock bottom. Here we go. Like this has been awesome. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Like someone, someone once says, like, you get a Twitter account. I'm like, who really gives a fuck what Pat Henley's doing all the time? Like it can't be important to anyone. It's not even important to me. Yeah. Like I think my life's pretty fucking boring. Like why would you? Who wants to be updated on me? Yeah. And there was a point there where I was like, I got to keep up with the Benny Joes of the world. And I'm like, that's just not me, man. Yeah. I just don't think it'd be real. Yeah. I can't be real. So I still want to have someone on our team do it because that's more real. Yeah. It's not, it's just not me. And if yeah. I, if I can't, if I, if I lose a recruit cause I'm not on social media, like I guess maybe, I don't know, maybe that wasn't a fit. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's, it's not like I'm not on social media. Like, I like being on Facebook. I've reconnected with a ton of buddies, and I love seeing my friends, like, what their kids are doing. And Yeah. You know, they, I think that's cool, but, let me ask, Facebook's for old people, right? Like, ki- kids aren't on Facebook anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. You know? I, I, think, I think social media is utilized in not the wrong way, but just an incomplete way. Oh, and, and hey, if I was 17, man, I, I was, like, every 16-year-old... I cared about what kind of jeans I wore and what how I look like and what's a, my hair didn't really deal with product very well but I tried my <laughs> fucking hair products for a while and I had cologne because I was worried about how I smelled like yeah so hey at 16 I would have been a fucking mess with social media like for sure I just missed that part of that you know I, I actually really feel again I feel bad for kids nowadays oh, it, it, I think it's kind of shitty to grow up as a teenager nowadays totally and, and I used to think like even when I grew up in the 80s, like, hey, it must be tougher to be a girl because they're getting marketed to or whatever. Now it's equally it's tough to be a guy or a girl, I think, yep. in terms of peer pressure and looks. and Because it really, we've gone from like social media being some words to fucking zero. Instagram yeah. and Snapchat, what else is out there? Am I missing something? Uh, I, I, I've deleted everything. But those two things are purely visual. Yeah. You want you want to talk about like superficial like those are we're not we're not even kids don't even want to communicate in words anymore yeah they want pictures and that line of pictures a thousand words yes and no yeah yeah it's it great with John to be like he shows me pictures I show him pictures and like yeah I don't have to try to 
explain to them. Yeah. But really, we're we're a hundred percent of visual Tinder. Yeah. You're not reading someone's bio. <laughs> hey, what books is this girl interested in? Is she really like? No, you're like hot. No, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, no. Yeah. You're spending what are you spending on Tinder? Five seconds, three seconds per person. I just write every time. Yeah, right. Well, that's smart. That's what I tried to do with Kruger. Like, yeah, why no, are you yeah, yeah. Time? We, we talked about that. Just like, go to a, go to a different city. Grab this phone and just... Write everything. Kruger's hey. like, what, what did you do? I'm like, I just said yes to 350 girls, Kruger. You, you don't know what's good later. until it's accessible. First thing it's accessible, it, it, it changes. Yeah. The story changes. Yeah, I said, when they call contact back, you can thank me later. Like, it's <laughs> not a binding contract, Kruger. Yeah. And you made that girl's day. Yeah. Hey, you made someone feel good, Kruger. Matt Kruger, good looking guy. All the ladies out there go. Is he that, is he Kruger our girlfriend now? I don't know. I I have no idea. I don't think so. I haven't talked to him in forever. Huh. You uh you you touched on a point earlier about coaching bleeding into your real life, and that I haven't realized that until I went home to Calgary and realized my my dad lets a lot of stuff bleed, like work bleed into real life, and you always say that in volleyball, which used to piss me off a lot, because I'd make an error. And not even necessarily a bad error, but then I'd make an error based on that error, yeah. and that always pissed me off because he'd always, I'd always come out, come to the bench and be like, "Hey, don't let that shit bleed." I'm like, "Go fu- fuck you, get out of my face, don't yeah. fucking talk to me." Where 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 did that come from? That because that that's a crazy cool concept to me. Because that, that, well, I mean, it, it, and we all do this, right? You you spend so much time doing something, becomes your identity, and that's where it's hard to retire with something. So I I. I I've always tried to be like, that's not me. And and I actually, my line now to some people is like, fuck, I feel sorry for having this job because there's other people that love this way more than me. Volleyball. Yeah. And I love volleyball. I'm grateful for this job. I love being around a group of guys that are common. Like, like if it wasn't for fear of heights, I probably would have been a fireman. Like, mm. just the idea of being around a group of guys with a common goal and pitching in and doing stuff together, like, that stuff I love. But the actual game of volleyball I don't love it as much as some people as in guys like hey did you check out that uh, Champions League no man I didn't go home and watch Champions League volleyball yeah. I don't watch any sports yeah I used to watch sports in Vancouver when I left working at the airport again it's an immersion thing I'm working at the airport all those guys talk about is like Canucks and who made a bad trade and yeah. if I was a GM and there's pro- the province is lying around everywhere in the province is like 20 pages of Canucks coverage and it's just lying around free at the airport so you end up reading it right once I left that vacuum it's it's not that I wouldn't consider myself a Canucks fan and I would certainly watch a playoff game in any sport actually I don't watch the NBA I don't watch the NHL I someone people are texting me like hey you watching this game what game what do you mean what game Seattle Dallas I'm like I've never actually watched the NFL yeah like it hurt me you don't know me like, never, I'll watch the Super Bowl. I, I, say, I used to have I'll, Super Bowl parties. I watch the Super Bowl commercials. <laughs> well, I every year in Vancouver, almost every year in Vancouver, I had a Grey Cup party and a Super Bowl party. Mm. And I would go to Lions games with buddies, like as a social thing. But I would yeah. never, I never once, even when I lived in the States, sat down and watched eight hours of football. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, so I, I just always wanted to like, this is not my life. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a stat out that uh, one of them, Oli was the first guy, like my old high school coach, Dave Alenic, was the first guy to be like, what's the, there's this place, this um, business, Kaminko's in Trail. Yeah. Huge lead smelter. It was like one of the biggest lead smelters in the world. And anyways, uh, 
He's like, what do you think the average age people live after retirement? If they retire at 65, I'm like, I don't know. Because I'm thinking like, okay, these are union guys that are probably not in great shape. And it was a lead smelter. There was a lot of cancer. Like, <laughs> and I'm trying to think yeah. in my head. I'm like, ah, I know, I know what he's saying. I'm going to go five years. He's like, two. So I'm like, you fucking work your whole life to get to 65 with this huge fat pension that everyone talks about. Like, I got to get my number. I got to get my number. Yeah. Hey, you know what your fucking number should be? 70. Why don't you try and make it to 70? That should be the number. Live to fucking 70. Yeah. Who gives a shit how much money you have? Anyway, so I always wanted to be like, this is not my identity. Yeah. And I don't want my kids to be like, that's all it's about. And uh, yeah. And I was a little bit living and dying with like being a volleyball coach, which is great. It's great, but... Who really gives a shit at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, we're not changing the world here. Yeah. I think we're changing guys in the program change or whatever. And I think that's great. But I don't, I just don't want to, I just don't believe it's that important. Yeah. And I don't want to base my self-worth and importance on it. I still do. It's still hard not to be like teams doing shitty. I don't feel great about it. Right. Right. But yeah, I just think like it, it's, I think everyone gets caught up in it because it's hard not to, if you, Whatever you are, right? Yeah, it's hard not to be like that's your identity. Well, even and I, th- I think th- the generation before me that was your identity. Yeah, you're like the steel worker. You're like whatever, and, and you kind of wear that. And I grew up in the Kootenays where these mill guys and how to be a tough guy and like it's all bullshit. Like yeah. I, I thought it was bullshit when I was 16 years old. Yeah. So I didn't ever want to be like cookie cutter. I didn't ever want to be like this is who I am. Right. And, but it is hard. And, and again, like I was bringing my job home to Heidi and that's, I went and saw a counselor again. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. Like why she, why does she give a fuck if Jimmy there flunked out of school? Really? Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, and again, you get back to complaining once you start talking about something like that, it's hard to stop. Yeah. So yeah, for me, yeah, I just, again, I love my job and I'm working on a freedom 55 plan and it's looking pretty grim right now. I'm 48. (laughs) But I said to Heidi, like, I want to work on this plan. Like, yeah. And right now, what am I doing right now? I'm putting $100 into a tax-free savings account, which at first I thought was stupid. I'm like, well, it's still $100 that I'm not blowing. Yeah. And then when the twins are out of the daycare, we're, we're trying to make plans. Like, I just, I said to Heidi, what's the worst case scenario? Like, I'm looking for something to do that will be, like, provide some income when I stop coaching that I love. And I'm trying to save money right now. Like, yeah. it can't hurt to do this stuff. Now, do I think I'm going to retire 55? Not a fucking chance. Financially. Yeah. But I also, you know, my dad died at 48. My grandmother died at 50. My mom's mom died at 52. My dad's dad died at 62. I'm like, someone once asked me, like, you got enough money to lift 100? I'm like, fuck, I hope not. So then I'm going to leave that money on the table. Yeah. And, and I've, again... Three of my friends' dads have died in the last three years. I know for a fact they all would have had millions yeah. saved up because they died in their 70s and they were saving up to, you know, that line. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a fucking yeah. marketing line by all these people. Like, you got to have not this much money. I'm like, that seems like a lot of money. Yeah. And Heidi's dad, this is great. I fucking go back to university at 31, got my Afro, trying to finish my phys ed degree. I start dating Heidi. She's doing her PhD in chemistry and... Her dad's like, he's trying to make small talk. He's like, oh, so are you in the stock market? No. Are you this or whatever? And I just, in my head, I'm like, Marty, man, I don't even have a savings account right now. I think I got $150 <laughs> in my freaking bank account right now. Then I'm like, 
man, if this was if this was my daughter, I'd be kicking this fucking Afro guy right out of my <laughs> house right now. Like, I actually said that line in my wedding speech. And I'm like, if I if a kid comes like that, I'd be like, hey, you got two choices, kid. Shotgun or shears? You're gonna shave that head, and you're gonna go get yourself a job, or you're gonna get the fuck out of my house. Because uh, yeah, I just look back at now, and I just thought it was hilarious. But he he was because he was his own businessman and quite successful. He was always worried about how much money he had saved up, and he's like, "Oh, you're lucky. You know, Heidi has a pension. You have a pension." And I never even really, I still don't really think about it. Yeah, maybe I should. I don't know. But he he now has been retired for close to ten years. He has not touched his principal. Which is great, you know. Yeah. And then he actually gets a pension from Finland, which is a real pension. Like, I think it's about forty-five thousand euros or something in that zone. Oh, as shit. as their CPP, and our CPP yeah. is like twelve hundred dollars a month or something. Anyways, yeah. so he he's doing quite well, but he has this massive nest egg, and I'm just thinking, you're gonna die with that money, man. Like, yeah. And they they do enjoy their life, but right. I've told Heidi like my plan, and I'll tell my kids when they get older. Hey, dad's going to run it fucking dry. If you think there's a nest egg coming, like, we're going to sell the house. You're welcome to it. Like, I'm not trying to, but yeah. hey, don't expect anything, man. Yeah. I'm going to live it. I'm not planning on, you know, I'm not planning on dying with $5 million in my bank account. Yeah. And I've said it's my mom. I'm like, she just grew up, in, my mom was interned in the war. They didn't have a lot of money growing up. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. My mom can't take a cab. She's she's walked instead of taking a cab. Yeah. And I'm like, Chess, you can take a cab? Like, oh, I don't want to waste the money. You know? And I know for a fact, she's told me that she, she has like $150,000 in her checking account because she doesn't even spend her pension. And she won't take a cab? I'm like, go on a vacation. Hire a cleaner. Yeah. Fuck. She's like, I don't like cleaning. Hire a cleaner. No, I'm good. I don't like cooking. Call in for takeout. Like... Live it up. And I said to her, I go, hey, you might as well spend it because I don't know about my brother and sister, Mike and Bill. I plan on blowing that money if you give it to me. If you think, I go, mom, if you think you're going to give me money and it's going to trickle down to the kids, Mm -hmm. they're going to enjoy it because I want to go on vacations. I want to take a year off from work. Like, there's things I'd do if I got that, you know, money. Oh, yeah. Fuck, for sure. So I I made a joke about it. Like, hey, you should spend it because we're going to blow it. Yeah. You know, and I think she should, but her generation is finds that super hard and I actually said this to Heidi because I think we grew up in different circumstances but I'm like I actually quite uncomfortable by how rich my kids are and by no means do I feel like we're rich yeah but Tosca's been to Disneyland twice Hawaii three times Europe once yeah I think I'd been to Spokane once by the time I was Tosca's age (laughs) I don't think I traveled anywhere by that age to be honest I I think it's I didn't stay in a hotel room ever with my parents Ever like I went on hotel rooms on sports trips, but we never stayed in a hotel. Yeah, that I can re- remember. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's I don't know. We're as a as a society we're loaded right now. Yeah. And what's frustrating for me is every every political campaign everything is about trying to keep the wealth going, trying to keep the continuous growth going. Like yeah, like the guy that got elected in Brazil. <clears throat> He just says it straight out, like, we're cutting the forest down, man. I don't know why we're going to listen to other people trying to tell us to stay the rainforest. Yeah. How are we going to make money in result? We're cutting the forest down. Yeah. He's not even pretending. He's not even, like, trying to masquerade it or what. He's just flat out saying, like, yeah. we're going to continue to burn and cut the forest down. The rest of the world can go stick it. Yeah. I mean, fuck, why? They want to keep yeah. the train going? 
Like, but we're so rich now in North America, at least it's almost impossible to keep this growth going. Man, it, it, it we're we're living in a utopia. If you really think about it, if you if you go back two hundred years and you say, hey, every, like this is going to be life in two hundred years, those people are saying that's that's utopia, hundred oh, yeah. percent. We we currently you go live back in utopia. Thirty years ago, yeah, thirty years ago, and people were like. You guys are so rich, it's ridiculous. Like a hundred years people, ago, people I mean, are living on a okay, dollar a day. Anyways, where I grew up, there was like, I don't know, less than 5% of the people I grew up with went on vacations. Yeah. So I remember my buddies going to like Hawaii. And I'm thinking, look at these fucking bastards going away. <laughs> like, and, and I'd never been on a plane. My first trip on a plane was a sports trip. Yeah. Sold friggin' chocolate bars for like six months to get on this plane trip to Moose Jaw, <laughs> Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Trip. Moose Jaw, baby. Back in Moose Jaw, holy. But anyways, uh, thirty years ago, people would have been like, "What?" Yeah. And even okay, well, it's still my pet peeve with Vancouver real estate. Nothing should triple in your lifetime. So Heidi's brother, seven years ago, bought for two million. It yeah. hit six million. It's down to five. It still shouldn't ever double. Seven years, real estate should not double in seven years. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, it's unlivable. Well, what do you mean? T- who can fucking buy a house at $2 million? Yeah. Much less $6 million. And Heidi's brother is an anesthesiologist. He makes half a million a year. And he says, like, I would not be able to afford my house right now as a first year doctor. Now, a bank would lend him the money because, yeah. but still, he wouldn't. He's like, where could I get the down payment on a $6 million house? Good point. It's hard. It's hard to come up with $600,000 in cash Yeah, for anyone that's not a drug dealer. Or inherited it. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, anyways. I think I think for a bunch of different reasons, it just has to be some kind of crash here. I mean, always, I, I, yeah, I'm actually... Always... There was a point there... Again, looking at my phone where I was like, I need to start fucking prepping for some kind of disaster here. And if it wasn't for how much shit Heidi would talk to me, I probably would already be prepping food. I mean, you got a, I garden, actually, you got a the, garden ready. You're good to go. Yeah, but that's only seasonal. I, I actually, I'm really interested in finding some way to have like, I need a power source if power goes out to keep the freezers going. Yeah. I have enough food in my house right now for six months. Just because our freezer's full of meat. You guys have a Jenny? No. <clears throat> it's one of the things I have to decide. But I don't yeah. want a generator. I want like solar panels or something. Yeah. Generator needs gas. Yeah. Yeah, solar panels are getting but then more you need, more They need a battery. Yeah. Because right now you you get a solar panel, you sell it to the grid. I At some point, I'm putting solar panels up. Yeah. Uh, right now, if you buy solar panels in Canloops, they pay themselves off in about 10 years. Yeah. So it's cool. a ten-year investment, and then, yeah. Anyways, every time I start saying something like a high, he's like, "You're going crazy." And I'm like, "Hey, I'm not fucking preparing for zombies or nuclear <laughs> war, because we're all kind of screwed. Like, if, if 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 war really happens, like, I don't care about living an extra three months. Yeah, I, I'm talking about like the pipeline from California dries up. Yeah, and pe- the states is crazy, man. People are like, oh, that's not gonna happen. They're in a 19-day shutdown of the government. It's fucking ground to a halt there, man. People aren't getting checks. Yeah. Garbage isn't getting picked up. Like, it's already there. 
it, it's not long. I, I actually think in 2020, Trump loses, and there's a bunch of fucking white guys going around shooting people. Because Trump's going to be a fucking retard, and he's going to be like, hey, election was rigged. Yeah. They took this power away from me. You yeah. guys got to do something about this. And his <laughs> fucking crazy base, the 5% of the 30%, they're all loaded up, man. Those guys have, like... They're already militia guys. Oh, they, yeah. they got their guns, man. That little rally there with the torches. Did I? Uh... <laughs> that's AK-47s, man. Every one of those fucking white guys has an AK-47 that was holding that torch. Did I tell you about my, my hitchhiking experience? No. So I... Uh, so second year, hitchhiked back to Calgary to see my ex-girlfriend. Bad idea. Uh, <laughs> didn't turn out well. Um so like stalker wanted to see her or? uh no no it was like a it was like a mutual thing we wanted to see each other and then went back to see her so i went i went i hitchhiked to from kamloops to calgary and yeah. then back and then back to calgary and then back to kamloops and so, you, who picked you up man is uh, this what you're gonna tell me yeah yeah so because i wouldn't pick you up and i grew up hitchhiking <laughs> no like, no but i look I, at that guy I, I was clean shaven yeah, but the had, psychos always are. Had crazy. some nice, yeah, exactly. No, the crazy I'm, ones don't look I'm, as crazy. I'm pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, had some had some really nice clothes on. That was the thing. I had I had even I even had funny signs like uh, "Doesn't smell, loves dogs," shit like that. Like, yeah. like one guy turned around. He he took the next off ramp, came back, came like not even the median, but like came through the ditch in the middle of the highway. To come and pick me up because he's like, "Hey man, you have a funny sign." Um, so the the first guy that picks me up. So what happened was Sam dropped me off in the yeah. middle of not the middle of Kamloops, but he just dropped me off at the top of the highway. I walked for three hours to get out of the city, and this was when it was super duper smoky because so I couldn't work because I was painting. Yeah, and um, I walked for three hours to the uh, to the wildlife park out of Kamloops. Yeah, and then um, this guy came and picked me up. This stocky looking rugby guy and uh he so we so we drove to salmon arm i think salmon arm was first yeah. and then he's like we're having a good conversations about genealogy and uh like social hierarchies and stuff and then he's like you know what man i'm just gonna drive you to sycamuse like you, you this is pretty fun this is cool this is a cool talk yeah so we drive to sycamuse and then at about sycamuse he starts going off about uh about how all the arabs are Actually, he the Arabs, yeah. they're uh, they're they're taking over the world, and they're 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 starting to take over BC. And he's like, you know, man, uh, I've got a sam. He's like, I've got a I got a militia in Salmon Arm. He's like, I'm starting to order in guns. We got camo gear going on. He's like, I, I've started to build little forts all over the place in Salmon Arm. And so he ended up driving me to Revelstoke, but he was so fucking straight up about everything. He was like, yep, I got a. I got a militia getting ready to go up, and just in I, case. Yeah, he's like, I have people that I've given well, guns to. Well, you know to. this because you you have your pal. Yeah, but people, we can have handguns in Canada. We can have semi-automatic with oh, an yeah. R pal. Yeah, we can have it. It's harder to get, and there's real rules around them. But you can still get this stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. And this guy just ordered everything. He had all of this insane gear ready to go, and he's like, Yeah, I've been training people. I'm ready to go. Like first thing that them Arabs start to come in, we're going down to Vancouver and we're just gonna start killing people. And the whole time, just sitting there like, this is a, uh, this is pretty fucked up. But I mean, this guy's giving me a ride. And the scariest part of hitchhiking, I'm sure you understand this. 
the scariest part of hitchhiking. I hitchhiked in the Cutneys and hippies used to pick me up, so like, I don't really. <laughs> no, but no, no. The scariest oh. part of hitchhiking is when it's not when you get into their car. Yeah. But it's when you get out. It's when you get out and you yeah. you start to walk and, I mean, I had this with a couple uh, a couple of truck drivers where they're like, oh, so like, where's your tent? Oh, I I don't have a tent. Where's your bear mace? I I don't have bear yeah. mace. Oh well, what are you gonna do if nobody picks you up? I I'm fucked. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm hoping to get to Calgary within tw- a twelve hour span because if I don't, I'm completely fucked. So the scariest say, part where's is your bear mace, and they're like, "Hey, you have a pretty mouth." <laughs> hey, you gotta, you gotta hey, squeal Blondie. like squeal like a oh, piggy boy. You, you don't have any weapons. <laughs> oh, okay, you're in the middle of nowhere. No, it's it's, it's terrifying. Like. Not being in the car isn't no, scary. No, I never hitchhiked. Like, I hitchhiked within the little valley or whatever. Okay, yeah, I, I went. I always got picked up by a hippie in a Datsun, a little that- Datsun truck, <laughs> and fucking picked me up. And- That's pretty awesome. I, I went long distance, and it was the scariest part of being, of hitchhiking is when you're walking, and you're, you kind of go, after 10 minutes, like, oh, someone will pick me up soon. Then after two hours, you're still just walking on the highway, and you go... Fuck, man. I, I actually picked up a hitchhiker with Heidi, and she was so pissed off. Really? What if he's crazy? I'm like, yeah, good point, I guess. <laughs> like, it's hard for me to protect you with my hands are on the steering wheel. <laughs> you're he's just kind of watching seat. her. Yeah, you're like, oh, come on, Heidi, do something. Oh, yeah. Like, fight I mean, back. I, I think most people don't pitch. Most people don't pick up hitchhikers anymore. The truck drivers do a lot because they get bored. But besides that, like, people don't normally... Very, very. I, I met a uh, an Australian Vietnam War veteran. Yeah, that guy had some fucked up stories. There was there was one point where we're kind of joking around about stuff, and then he goes, "Yeah, it was uh, it, it was cool until I went back to Australia, and everyone's called me a baby killer." And then we didn't talk for half an hour. Yeah, that was it. Like we just kind of sat there. I was like, deal breaker. Yeah, just went holy shit. Okay, that's pretty intense. And then after. Another half hour, he, yeah, but he just told me about his uh, Tasmanian devil tattoo after that. But man, that was fucking crazy. But yeah, so, so what, what did your dad think about you hitchhiking back and forth? He was, he, he thought it was awesome. I just showed up. I, I showed up to, to, so I I got dropped off by Chinook, like a mall in Calgary, yeah. and went to uh, went to KT's work, like Kyle Taylor. He worked at Lulu at the time, and I just showed up at his work, and I'm like, hey, how's it going? Like what the fuck are you doing here? I go oh I just hitchhiked. No way. Yeah no here are my signs. Here's my backpack. I literally got dropped off right beside. Yeah. And then went home. My dad's like fuck that's awesome. That's the I told him all the stories and it was some crazy shit. My mom hated it. Yeah. Yeah she she refuses to. Anytime I tell her that I'm traveling anywhere, she immediately books me a bus ticket or a plane ticket because she. Where are you gonna hitchhike? Yeah. She hates it. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of things I did that I don't want my kids to do. Yeah, it's a uh, when, when you're a kid. Well, you're kids, Tosca's is seven right now. Starting at about eight, maybe it was nine. I used to jump in the river, not tell my parents, jump in the river and float to wherever my buddies like the beach we would all go to. So I yeah. float like I don't know, a kilometer and a half. Yeah. And it's a much faster river than the North Thompson. So I'm thinking, what would I think if Toski just jumped in the fucking river and floated to like her friend's place a kilometer yeah. down the way? I'm like, you just pure panic, man. She's like, I'm going I mean, to my North parents Shore, Dad. No, I, I'll I'm, see you later. I don't think my mom still knows. Yeah. But 
it's like wow maybe maybe there is something to said for a little hovering every once in a while yeah oh totally there I mean, although i guess we're alive me and my brother are still alive of all the things we did that, that's that's the craziest thing is that there's so few kids that actually die i mean there are the outliers which sucks but there's so few kids that die from being abducted or oh yeah I wh- mean, whatever it's i mean proven that the numbers are either flatlined or down there it's it's an astronomical it, it's there, there's an astronomical rating that you're actually going to get abducted. It, it, this is this is real murdered. though. Like Tosca's with, oh, like uh, Chad's daughter was over Naya, and, and they're like, "Hey, can we go see the horses?" Yeah. And then my first instinct is like, "Of course, wh- why wouldn't?" It's two blocks away. Yeah. We're in friggin' Rayleigh. Yeah. The, da- the the most dangerous thing in Rayleigh is like I think falling into the river. So I'm like, "Yeah, of course." And I was like, "Well, should we?" Like, yeah, well, what if something happens? You got to say, what if, man? Yeah. Then I'm like, oh, do I really have the authority to let Nile? And then Chad's like, of course they can go there. But you just have this gnawing, and I don't know if it's social media or what it is, you have this gnawing thing, like, what if? Well, the what if is terrible. And terrifying. it just makes you feel sick. And I'm yeah. like, hey, I'm trying to talk myself off the ledge. I'm like, hey, don't be crazy, man. Yeah. How are your kids going to, how do we, how would we expect our kids to have that? That's why people are the most... When we never yeah. let them do anything. That's really, what, really, kids don't get to do a shit nowadays. No. It's, it's actually kind of terrible to be a kid. You don't really get a life. I actually think every generation's worse off. As, as it gets further down. And it's really funny. Because I think before people used to say to us, like, you guys have it so lucky. Yeah. Like, oh, you, your generation's spoiled. And I'm thinking, like, I don't... I wouldn't want to be a kid now. Yeah. Like, I just don't think they have it better. And I don't yeah. think... And a university, I think, is way worse. University of the nineties was like a holiday, man. Compared to you, you get to go to parties and shit. We don't. I actually look here. at my grades. My grades are fine. Yeah, I got an education, but I don't. I never stressed at all. Yeah, I don't get the whole stress. Like any people, I'm like, how'd you do in the test? I don't know. I never got that either. I could pretty much tell you within two percentage points. Like, hey, skin of my teeth, man. I'm I'm praying for sixty. Yeah, I probably got fifty, and then I'd get like a fifty-eight. Kind of new, yeah. whatever. But also just didn't really care. Like, there's yeah. just a, such a panic level now. Even getting into education. And, okay, when nursing's at 90, no offense to anyone, but you don't need 90% to be a good a good nurse. We're, we're actually probably going to exclude people that would be great teachers and great nurses because they didn't sit and study all day. Yeah. Like, it's that, is that really how we find the best nurses, teachers, whatever? Like, well, it becomes a thing of sociability compared and, to actual IQ. Like I said... There is padding in grades. It's not that kids aren't smarter now, but yeah, I just think it's it's now ninety means nothing now. Yeah. Before ninety is like you're the smartest guy. That guy, holy shit, he got ninety. He's a brain surgeon. Yeah. Now you're like, oh, I hope I get into UBC sciences. Yeah. Uh, my dad, my uncle's a doctor. The uncle I went to visit. Yeah. Okay. Hey, uncle Mike, what are your grades like? Not very good. How'd you get into med school? Ah, because my grandfather was a psychiatrist. Um, Dad pulled a few strings and talked to some colleagues and got me in. Yeah. He's a doctor. He he basically was a drunken buffoon. He was in in, uh, business. He was like, didn't really go to class, didn't really have good grades. Like his high school, he went to private school. He was like, my high school grades are okay. Yeah. And I'm just going to assume okay. What I assume okay means back in that era is like 60 to 70. Yeah. 
So he was a 60 to 70 guy. He likes his pints. Fucked around in business school and got in. And he's a doctor. And now it's like you have to be an angel with a 95% average. Then you have to crush it through university yeah. right from year one, 95. Volunteering. So again, in the yeah. 90s, even people that went to med school, like, yeah, you don't have to really worry about anything until third year. There's a reason why UBC, there was a beer garden every single day of the week. There was a robust beer garden yeah. going on. And I, I think TRU is a particularly boring campus, but it's a different life, man. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's a better life. Well even now people are having to take six courses because it's not it's not enough to get a ninety five anymore. You yeah. have to take six you have to take an entirely full course load to stand out. You have to take yeah, six to seven six courses. Five still a full course load, isn't it? Yeah. Like yeah. You, you you have to take six to stand out to stand like... out. Which is absurd. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Oh yeah, I just even even in the mid nineties, I didn't think grades were the best way to decide who was gonna be a doctor. I think it's all about personability. Well the, the for best, a family doctor for sure. Yeah. The best doctors that I've had are just awesome, awesome people. They're not you you, you learn. You learn throughout doing your practice about what's the best and what to do. I'm not saying the guy with the highest IQ in the room is going to be the best doctor. That guy might be the smartest, but it, it, it differs whether how good of an actual well, doctor and, they are. It has to be a mixture of IQ and yeah, personality. The smartest guy in the room should be in research. Yeah. He should be the guy, yeah, trying, absolutely. He, he should be right. the guy trying to cure cancer. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't make sure he's going to be a, a great surgeon or whatever. Yeah. We gotta shut this down, Carlo. Are we done? We can close, but wrap it up. Let's, Let's wrap do it. it. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. Did we even cover anything?